Mission Statement, Episode 20. I got my dog, Aaron Harrington, in the building. Thanks for coming through, man. Appreciate it. Of course. First of all, I wanted to say, like, I kind of consider you, like, one of these guys who's, like, your favorite skater's favorite skater. Kind of like a Joey Pepper type. Okay. So, like, I just want to say, like, appreciate you and fucking... Thank you. I think you're a fucking rad-ass dude and a kick-ass skater. So. Thank you, Lee. Yeah, man, for sure. But, um, what, uh, like, this year's been fucking super crazy. There's, like, so much shit going on. Like, what, how's this year been treating you? Like, what? Um, man, that's a good question. Um, everything was great until March, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I got really sick in March for two months, but pff, tested and all that stuff. Did not have coronavirus, but mm -hmm. got like pneumonia basically, and oh, shit. ended up getting a lung infection. And I already have bronchitis. Just uh, don't smoke cigarettes, people. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I have bronchitis already, so it's like kind of fucked me up a little bit more. And whatever, I just didn't know what was going on. I was just trying to like, I don't have coronavirus, or like I do, and I just want to like. Were you like crazy freaked out about it? I would have been like so paranoid. Like I was. And I wasn't because at the time it was still like, like we were on tour like maybe a month before or two months before like in Mexico, like, mm. or no, it was a month before. Yeah, it was February. And uh, we were in Mexico and like coronavirus is already happening like as a global thing, but it wasn't like, you know, the Western mm -hmm. side of the world yet. You're like, oh, that's something that happened. Yeah. And I remember like, we were like, unfortunately at the time, like, being insensitive to it because we didn't. But was, we all were. Yeah. Everybody in America at that time didn't take it serious. No, you know, it was like, yeah. you know, everyone's posing by like Corona beer and stuff. Exactly. Like, oh, I got Corona. <laughs> you know, so like. The only Corona I fuck with and yeah. like all kinds of stupid shit like that. So, especially in Mexico, you know, that was getting tossed around. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I ended up, I went to Tampa Pro and um, we came back and it was like the evening that last night that I was in Florida got back into the hotel room and just hit me like a ton of bricks and was really sick and everything. But I wasn't super paranoid about it because again, it was still new. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I was more worried about getting food and like mm -hmm. not necessarily stocking up on toilet paper, but like just stocking up or like having a escape route or some type of plan. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like if the world goes nuts, you're like, yeah, oh, like, fuck am I going to get out? Yeah. Of like I was already speaking to my yeah. parents. My parents were like, yeah, like get on the first flight, come home. Mm -hmm. And I was conflicted as to like well then where am I going to stay because mm -hmm. like my parents are like very susceptible mm -hmm. uh, or high risk people you know so it was like either I stay with my friends who like you know we're not going to be really quarantining or like we're just going to be amongst ourselves yeah. or around each other yeah. which isn't really great but uh but yeah so then I got really sick and uh then I started freaking out when uh the last five days of it um I didn't sleep because I was coughing so much like uncontrollably like staying up all night coughing and now we get like an hour or two of sleep and then like basically start the whole day over again oh shit um and unfortunately being a cigarette smoker it was hard for me personally to like try to just like cut my whole all my habits out because i don't drink anymore so it's like i have mm -hmm. very just particular small vices that i was just like fuck you know like yeah. i feel like i'm dying right now i need some sort of whatever it's making it worse, but then I got to urgent care, x-rays, and all that stuff, and they're like, doesn't seem like you have coronavirus, but you have a lung infection, and there's like this fucking 
clot of whatever in there, mm -hmm. uh, antibiotics for a week, and then like three days into antibiotics, I felt literally like 110% compared to how yeah. I had felt. Um, but then, yeah, like after a week, I was just like, dude, I don't know what the hell just happened to me. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> I would know. have been like, I'm dying, fucking, I got coronavirus. You know, like, I don't even know. There were th <laughs> those last five nights where I was lying there, like literally not sleeping and just like binge watching TV, but like trying to fall asleep mm -hmm. while doing it. That's when those thoughts started going yeah. through my head and like, not to lie, like getting emotional lying there, just like, cause my girlfriend was sleeping, you know, and like yeah. was able to sleep and she got sick too, but it wasn't as long. And then she ended up getting tested, uh, Cause she, forget why, but she got tested and did like the antibody stuff uh, much before I did. Mm -hmm. And so she was sick and since she was around me, she was negative for both of them, you know, and we're, mm -hmm. she was like, all right, so like, what the hell did I have? What the hell do you have? Yeah. And then um, it wasn't until I got <clears throat> my ankle surgery recently that I actually got tested antibodies, blood, and like the nose swab, and like mm -hmm. they did all sorts of shit. And they were like, yep. Like, like you've never had never it. Never had it, Damn. so. So at that time, were were you hurt or like? Uh, not yet, no. Okay. Uh, Cause yeah, so it was like, I broke my leg two months ago. So it was in, it was August, like 10th or 11th or something. Oh, shit. I broke it. Damn. So, so how, what, how did that happen? Um, I don't want to blame like, <laughs> Board shortages right now yeah. and like what the wood drought and all that stuff but uh i typically skate eight five mm -hmm. and uh then i got a bunch of like eight six and like eight seven fives and then like some eight three eights eight and a quarters you know like a bunch of different sizes that i could get that mm -hmm. wasn't my particular size because eight five is very sought after as we know mm -hmm. um and i think i went down to eight and a quarter maybe or eight three eight and whatever and I, you know, I want to blame everything. I want to blame anything else other than the actual situation. <laughs> but uh, I blame the board size going down a little bit. And um, yeah, skating the spot that could have been literally anywhere. What um, kind of spot was it? Like a rail? Or? Uh, like a 10 stair rail and then about four feet of sidewalk or three feet of sidewalk and then the actual sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in Forest Hills. And the idea was to like grind or slide the rail land on the sidewalk quickly or like gap over the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. So it was cool, but it was, the spot kind of could have been anywhere, mm -hmm. you know, as far as like how it looked. But uh, first attempt, just trying to like board slide the thing. The second I popped, it was like my brain knew that like, you're not like something bad is about to happen or like I popped too high, like the rail was steep and uh, slipped out. And because of that first set of sidewalk, there was a curb and the only thing that happened basically the only thing my body was allowed to do was basically catch myself on the curb and then just fully crunch on my uh, leg. Um, and like I told you earlier, yeah. like my knee, uh, I don't even know exactly what it would be cause I've seen dislocated knees and kneecaps, but my knee kind of like popped out for a second. And as it did that, something in my head like clicked and mm. I was just like, Oh shit. I'm like fully slamming right now. And then I like almost took a, step back or eased up on the fall mm -hmm. and then because of that i think i only broke one of the two bones instead of two of them Damn. um but in the moment so you kind of like caught yourself yeah like i think like just mentally my brain mm -hmm. was like oh shit you're this about to like bad, yeah. you're about to tear your knee or do something there like mm -hmm. let's try to maneuver mm -hmm. and then it just i still folded it and i it was just like so hot in my calf and my ankle 
didn't even really swell up too fat instantly, but, and my buddy Paul that was there was just like, are you sure? Like not discrediting anything. He's like, that didn't look too crazy, but like, believe anything you say. He's like, I'm just want to make sure that yeah. like, you're, you want to actually go to the hospital and everything. And I was did like, did you go home or did you go to the hospital? Right to the hospital. Yeah. But it felt like the whole car ride there, like, I mean, me thinking of breaking my leg, I would think I would be on the floor screaming or mm -hmm. something like that, you know, but it felt like my ankle was dislocated and, or like, it just, it wasn't right. You know, yeah, I just yeah. knew something wasn't right. And, uh, shout out to Paul Young. He was just like, you want to go any hospital or you want to go to, you want to go to my hospital? And, and I was like, let's go to your hospital. Yeah, like, let's go to yours. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, it'll be like a little bit longer drive, but like, it's going to be good. And yeah. so it was like 20 minutes and shit. So how long have you been out of the game for? Uh, yeah. since, yeah, it was like August 10th or 11th. So about so it really hasn't been that long. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Cause it's when you have like a cast and a boot and everything. And like mm -hmm. when you are very restricted, like to what you can do, like, in your personal space mm -hmm. or your whatever, like in your apartment, it feels like the time is moving so slow or it's not moving so slow. It's like, it's tolerable time slowness or whatever. Whereas now that like my boots off, my cast is off and everything today, I got cleared to walk and put weight on it, but mm -hmm. still need to wait a week to get x-rays. And you just, just got cleared today, today to like walk on it. Shit, um, that's crazy. So, now it's like, now that I know I can walk on it and now that there's no like additional weight and this uncomfortable cast and all this mm -hmm. crap on my leg, it's just really hard to like, not just want to jump out of bed and yeah. like stand up on my bed and like close my window or yeah. like, I really need to like, all right, I need to take my crutches mm -hmm. and like still need to do everything that's normal, you know? What did you do for those two months? Like... The um, summer month, like the best months of the whole fucking year. Dude, fucking kill me, man. Um, a lot of other people would say, oh, I read a lot of books. Yeah. Uh, I was really creative and I did some artwork and, you know, I expanded my mind or something. That's what other people would That's say. That's what other people would say. I've been playing GTA 5 for two months and I will not lie. Uh, hey, man. GTA 5. If it got you through it, that's all that matters. Yeah, man. I beat it twice. <laughs> Story mode two times. Now I'm, beating, now I'm doing every hidden mission. Uh, but no, my brother is a big gamer, uh -huh. and I was just like, I just had nothing to do. Yeah. Really. I felt so bored. And I mean, I, I have books that I want to read. I'm just not like uh, a fast reader. Mm -hmm. So I'm, it's something that's like, I'm, I'm a toilet reader, mm -hmm. let's say, you know? I used to read a lot, but now every time I like try to read a book, I'm like, after 10 minutes, I'm like, what's going on on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of- <laughs> It's weird, it's kind of fucks, it fucks with me. Yeah, like, like I could read, <laughs> put me through like a, th if, it w if they made like 30 page slot, like if someone put a novel on Instagram, I'd probably sit there and read yeah, it. Exactly. You know, but exactly, put the, the, the actual screen. thing in my hand, I'm like, eh. <laughs> You know, uh, seriously, but yeah, I've been doing that. And, uh, then about a couple weeks ago or no, a month ago, I started doing physical therapy. Okay. Um, so I've been doing that now for the last two weeks, two times a week. And then I was just doing it once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's all just like working on the range of motion and getting everything back, which it's pretty good. And I'd say now it just doesn't even feel like I've ever had surgery. Mm -hmm. It just feels like I rolled the shit out of my ankle. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess the question now is like, when will you be back on the board? I would say realistically, like my mental state or like where I think of it, I would say like the new year would be yeah. or after the holidays and okay. everything would be, 
realistic, but it could be longer. Yeah. Because, um, again, like, when I, since I got cleared to walk today, like, you saw me kind of walking around a little bit. But, like, mm. it's, I think I'm good until, mm. you know, you, you do something yeah, and you're like, oh, my calf muscles completely atrophied mm. and my knee isn't the same. Especially with skaters, we always think we're good. And we're like, I can do this. And yeah. Like, uh. like, not that my knee's damaged or anything, mm. but it's just like, I'll be like, oh, nope. All right. Yeah. Like, I'm. I'm still kind of peg-legging a little bit. I'm not yeah. bending my knee with my ankle so much. Yeah. So Shit. trying just to do complete steps if I do walk. But mm -hmm. next week, x-rays again. Okay. Get cleared from it. Jason McKean, he skates, an amazing surgeon. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You were guy. telling me about it. He's like yeah. a skater surgeon. Right? Yeah, he posted, on his, <laughs> he posted on his Instagram today. He's like, he was front-nosing a ledge at uh, Fat Kid Park. It was sick. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, I need to holler at him. I yeah. got some things I need to figure out. <laughs> yeah. No, he's... <laughs> he got some popping wrists over here. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Good guy. So let's take it back. Like, I know you grew up in Oregon. Like, where did you grow up exactly? Uh, Corvallis, uh, which is in the central Lamont Valley. Uh, oh, shit. Which means nothing. Um... <laughs> Other than if it snows, it's absurd because we're below sea level, so it doesn't uh -huh. snow. But uh, it's like 90 minutes, two hours south of Portland about. Um, like just straight down Interstate 5. So it's like, I mean, all of Oregon is like Interstate 5. Every city yeah, exactly. is like along that. So my hometown is, or is Oregon State University. Mm -hmm. And then Eugene or like Silas Baxter Neal, uh, Josh Matthews. I know I'm drawing a couple other blanks. Mm -hmm. um, those dudes are from Eugene, and that's like 45 minutes, and that's where University of Oregon is. So it's like town rivalry. Okay. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm 99.9% .9 positive Phil Knight went to college okay. at University of Oregon, yeah. and that's why the whole Nike th oh, campus shit, yeah. and everything in Portland <laughs> is the way it is and all that stuff. Um, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty positive. Uh, when I, uh, whenever I think of growing up in Oregon, I always think of that movie Stand By Me. You ever seen that movie Stand By Me? I know it's like oh, takes man. place in the 50s, but it's like, it's just like these kids growing up in a small town in Oregon that try to like find these. Who, like, who are the, I, I've <laughs> Like heard River it. Phoenix was in it. You should watch okay, that. It's a good right. movie. Yeah. Okay. I, I know I've had to see it. Is, it, is Johnny Depp in it when he's young too? No, it's no. just like River Phoenix and a couple other kids. I don't know. Right. Anyway, okay. it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I've heard. I Anytime know I think of like growing up in Oregon, I yeah. always think about that movie. I know the title. I'll watch it tonight. Yeah. I'll get into so it. So who, coming from Corvallis, why do I know like there used to be like a skate competition there or like. Trifecta. There was something there, right? In my hometown? Yeah. Uh, well, every every summer we had a thing called the Da Vinci Days Festival mm -hmm. that would happen in just in the town, and that was like a week-long thing. Mm -hmm. And there'd be a skate contest there uh, for that. Mm -hmm. um, but you might be referring to there was a vert ramp mm -hmm. that was in my hometown in this park called Avery Park. Okay. And it was a vert ramp, and then they had like a wooden bowl that had like an oververt section, which was way before its time. And then there was a whole wooden and concrete street section. Mm -hmm. um, it was all fenced off and it was run by the Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. So you'd only skate it at specific times, but I know the early nineties up until I was born in 89. So it was probably up until like 96 or 95, it was completely open to the public. Mm -hmm. um, and then around 95, 96, that's when they started chaining across the vert ramp mm -hmm. and because it just really rings a bell with me. I remember, like, NSF growing up there, I remember hearing about Corvallis. I, I feel like I really remember, like, skaters, like, driving up there, and there was something that they would... I want to like, say it's it's because of, mm -hmm. because of that vert ramp. Mm -hmm. um, 
because like, uh, who am I trying to think of right? Or who is it that talks about it? Um, uh, Russ Pope. Um, mm. So Russ Pope, because uh, he works for Converse and stuff, uh, he was telling me that that was a destination, like him and Cartiel and people, they yeah, would drive yeah, so. exactly. from like the Grass Valley area or even San Diego and mm -hmm. stuff all the way up there just to like camp and skate the skate parks that existed at the time mm -hmm. uh, along the coast and everything and then get to my town and then skate mm -hmm. the vert ramp. And I'm pretty sure they did a contest there every yeah. year too. Um, it was definitely something that happened. What there. was the old uh, like skate? Association that did the, like the national contests. Oh my god! This was it? That, me was it NSA? Crazy. The National yeah, Skateboard like Association. Yeah, it was like NSA, and there was like another one. I, like I, I want to say, it might have been a contest through one of those. Gonna, yeah. Later on, when I'm laying in bed, it's gonna fucking come back. Yeah. To <laughs> but it was like when they did like con like contests at ski resorts or uh, whatever, you know, like yeah, just yeah. random things. So I want to say there was contests there because mm. you can like I've searched all over the internet trying to find photos of the vert ramp mm -hmm. and it's like there's two zines that are like someone posted you know like uh scanned like whatever the the zine like both pages of it and they're like the most pixelated photos of someone yeah. like a 5-0 grind on it but to me i have like so much nostalgia and i would mm -hmm. love to see like footage of exactly. it or something but so how did you like get into skating uh my brother skated um but not really. Um, but he got into it because my neighbor, his, sorry, my neighbor skated and he was best friends with my brother. And so that rubbed off onto my brother. My brother begged for a skateboard, got it, and then got into other things. And it just sat there for a long time. Um, and then I picked up, picked a skateboard up, started messing with it. X Games was a big thing at the time, you know, like 94, 95. Um, or no, not 94, 95. It would have been uh, like 97, 98 mm -hmm. uh, for me. It was on TV all the time. And uh, the thing that really got me into skating was MTV did that like action or they did like the sports and music festival. Mm -hmm. And they did like a whole Venice Beach recreation thing. <laughs> you remember that? They did the contest. I think, so, I think so. And then they had like one where Danny Way jumped out of the helicopter, one in Vegas. Yeah, in Vegas. But they, the, all that <laughs> at stuff. The, at the Hard Rock. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it was like the contest was the big, meg, like the precursor to the mega ramp kind of. Mm. But seeing that is like what really got me into skating, my brother having the skateboard. Um, then there was a skate shop in my hometown that was called Purple Crow that just was a front for selling weed. Um, oh, and or, sounds very Oregon-ish, Northern it, California. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, then, like, if you went into the shop, it was like a head shop that sold completes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, that was where my mom like first saw like my jaw drop, and she was yeah. like, "All right, I'm gonna buy him like Spitfire wheels, Thunder yeah. trucks, and get him like a normal skateboard." And That's I remember cool. the board I had was a Scarecrow board. I had clear grip mm -hmm. and Thunders and some Spitfire wheels and Lucky bearings. That's pretty sick. Yeah, you always yeah. remember like your first setup. Yeah, I can remember like a lot of the. <laughs> I was the spoiled Christmas complete kid, so I, I remember about every Christmas complete I got. That's cool though that your parents supported you. I mean, yeah, they saw that you love skating, so like, for sure they were definitely. Who were you skating with? Like, were there a lot of skaters in your town or? Um. So my brother's friend, his younger brother, who was my best friend, mm -hmm. um, then he also like kind of like. I was already skating, but like when we would hang out, it was like never a topic of discussion or like it was never brought up, you know, like, oh, your brother skates, I skate, my brother skates. And then one day he just shows up with like an expedition board 
and it was when Expedition did interlock hardware. Oh yeah. So it was like, he was all hyped on it and the nose and tail were chipped to hell, but he was just like so hyped on this board that he had. And I was like, I didn't know you skated. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of like what started us learning to like ollie off the wooden two-step I had off my deck in the backyard or like, oh, he's like, oh, this is what a heel flip is, what mm -hmm. kick flip is. And then um, mainly just skated with him. And then like, cause I lived outside of my town. So I didn't like live in, in mm -hmm. a, you know, like a neighborhood in my actual town. I lived on like a mountain or whatever. And uh, cul-de-sac and all that shit though. Mm -hmm. So I just skated with the cul-de-sac kids. Um, they were all the kids I went to elementary school with mm -hmm. and rode the school bus with. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older, they built a skate park and then mm -hmm. just got friends. They built that. a skate park in your town? In my town, oh, okay. yeah. Sick. Um, the neighboring town had one for a couple years before that when I rollerbladed before I skateboarded, oh, shit. which was when I was eight. <laughs> And then nine is when like me and my neighbor and my brother and everything like that all happened. Yeah. And we were like, oh, skateboarding. And when did you start going to Portland, like skating Burnside and all that? Uh, I can't remember like how old I was the first time I went, but it was probably like, it was probably 10 or 11 mm -hmm. for sure. And I remember having a helmet going there. Heckled. And not even heckled. <laughs> I mean, they were probably, I was definitely being heckled, but I, I didn't hear yeah. it. You know what I mean? I d had no idea what was going on, but. Uh, but like mom in the parking lot with the camcorder, you know what I mean? And it's like the most uncool thing to be doing. And, uh, my dad, whatever, probably walking around like the sidelines of inside Burnside, just checking it out. But I remember the bowl, like the main big bowl, it was like two th or a, <clears throat> a third of the way filled up with water. Mm. And, uh, there was just like a big plank of wood in there. And I remember my skateboard ended up down there and I had to like, <laughs> go like shimmy down a plank of wood to get my board out but I just remember wearing the helmet and multiple times someone would be walking by me and then all of a sudden like how you would be like having your board under your arm and like purposely catch the tail on like the corner of a wall yeah. it was like tail getting hit in the head of like my, my helmet you know or someone walked by and just like bop you know but like luckily I was wearing a helmet but it was yeah. just like the hell are you doing here and then there was another time where someone told me like literally the same thing like what we would do to like a nine-year-old on a scooter mm -hmm. to skate park to a mother like hey they literally shouldn't be in here yeah like some older guy was like dude you're 12 yeah, get, get like, the fuck out. like there's dudes there's a pump bump around. in the spine right here like <laughs> mikey chin's was probably trying to tray flip nose pick or something I'm just, i was gonna ask you about mikey chin that was my next question <laughs> it's fucking burnside legend yeah like Mikey Chin, like Choppy Omega. Choppy Omega, oh, Josh dude. Falk. Um, uh, I mean, why can't I think of the other one? Brent Ashley, of course. Brent Ashley. Probably the most yeah, iconic dude. of all yeah. of them. Dude, but with the fucking kill that place. But yeah, Brent and uh, Mikey definitely, I would say, are like the. I when we used to drive up to Vancouver, we would always stop at Burnside, and I would like fuck around in there, and basically I was like, I barely, I looked like I couldn't even skate. Yeah, I know. What you, I was like I in there, mean, like, yeah. where's the ledge? Like, I'm trying to crooked grind right. a ledge here. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like embarrassed. Like, I would like pump around, and then I'd be like, I think I'm just gonna go like sit down and like. Drink and like beer. at that time, you could have you could have had 56 millimeter wheels, and it felt like you're riding 49s yeah. in that part because it was so rough. It was rough, man. Yeah. And you dudes are it. flying by you, and you're like, yeah, this is not my fucking yeah. element right here. Not at all. But it's funny. I guess probably some people might have felt that same way when they come to like Pier Seven or like Embarcadero right. back in the day. Totally. You know? Yeah. I mean, vibe-wise, for sure. Funny. 
just real quick, I mentioned rollerblading. I have photos that I would love my mother to find. It was like my first trip to San Francisco. Again, I was like eight years old. Dude, I'm in full pads and camo cargos and like a Jinko tall tee. And I'm at EMB, standing next to the stage. Like, and my brother's on, no, I'm standing on top of the stage and my brother's like leaning up against the stage. My brother had on like, Jinko like Were jorts. Rollerblading too? Yeah. My brother broke his arm twice rollerblading in one year, so he Holy like shit. he hung that up quick and then I then he started skateboarding and probably gonna get torn apart on the internet for that's this. That's pretty but. sick. So you rollerblade at EMB. I mean I think that, Dude, it's that's pretty, an NBD right there. I don't know how many I think pro so, yeah. not many pro skateboarders can say they did that. Yeah. Dude, I like I've I've begged my mother to like try to find the photo, like I'm this holiday season. I'm going through every photo album. I'm finding it. It'd be the most. Shit. It'd be the sickest board graphic. <laughs> it would, or like, like an ad or something. Yeah, just like dude. that photo. Like, you gotta find that. Polar Skate Co. Me on rollerblades. Hell yeah, dude. So how did you end up moving to? Because eventually you moved to SF, right? Yeah, um, that was um, a decision that I've been, or I've been speaking about it for a long time mm -hmm. to my mom and my dad and stuff. Uh, at that time, I had also gotten into riding track bikes and stuff like that mm -hmm. because I saw like what Gabe Morford was doing with like his MASH mm -hmm. uh, DVD and like the whole fixed gear scene in San Francisco as well as skateboarding and like... Masan Fluker. Yeah. And uh, also like, you know, knowing that like Keith Huffnagel was also kind of like involved in that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I always liked him a lot just as a skater, mm -hmm. RIP, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, but uh, um, just certain people attracted me to that. And then I remember there was a Huff interview where he talks about how SF was the, the New York of the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd been to Seattle a lot as a kid and Seattle like never really appealed to me so much. Um, Portland didn't really appeal to me so much because I'd been there mm -hmm. so much as a kid. But SF only visiting as a child and then I visited uh, another time when I did skateboard, but it was just like, you know, yeah. the hills and everything. And like, we stayed by like Lombard street. So skating just didn't make sense to yeah, me at the time. Like, How does this work? Yeah. <laughs> I can't skate. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go down this fucking hill every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she knew that it was something I always wanted to do. I voiced it so many times. Um, and then I was just like at that age being, I just turned 19 and it was like April or something. I was just at that age of like, graduated high school I wasn't college bound had no direction really mm -hmm. other than like being 19 and maybe overindulging in certain things mm -hmm. I mean my mom kind of saw that and was just like hey like you leave on the 19th of April by the way and I was like what so I was like freaking out one day that I couldn't go to my brother's house and play EA skate because it was raining and she was like why, why couldn't you? you go there uh he just like I would spend a lot of my time at my brother's house because mm -hmm. my parents split up my mom uh, lived in a different town mm -hmm. and I lived with my dad and my dad had gotten remarried a couple years before that. Um, and then we moved around a lot in my hometown. So I went from living, sorry, li no, living on the outskirts and I was living in town all of a sudden. And then um, because of that, uh, I was spending a lot of time with my brothers. I didn't mm -hmm. really care for where I was living at and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Okay. And, uh, or just the environment and stuff. So I would spend a lot of time with my brothers and then he was always, he was already married at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, my brother's seven years older than me. Uh, he was like, you guys were on two different. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he's like, yo, you're 18 yeah. and like, I'm 
20, <laughs> what, I can't even think right now, 25. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, you know, I can't have you at my house playing Xbox all exactly. day or like smoking weed and just like hanging out. You know, mm -hmm. I've got my wife here or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I was freaking out about it one day and then my mom was just like, I don't know what the hell is going on with you, but like here, like I think it's a pretty smartphone, but somehow she showed me that she had to take it for me. Yeah. And it was like in two weeks or How something. How did you feel about that? It was, I felt weird because it was like very all of a sudden, but at the same time, it was like, I knew what she was doing and like it was, it was necessary to be done. And then also it was like, she was always supportive of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then like, she heard what I wanted to do and then just kind of like pulled the trigger for me. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It was, I'll forever be grateful that she did that, you know, mm -hmm. cause it started everything kind of, sure. you know. But it was it was crazy going to SF because I just didn't I didn't know anybody. So you get to SF and like what what happens? Like what do you do? Like uh, <laughs> you're like okay, I'm here now. Like yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. I, I can't recall honestly if my mother came with me when I first went down there. Mm. Um, but she came down shortly after, if not. But uh, I was living in residence hotels like all along like Leavenworth and Van Ness, like all the, you know, like in the TL, like just yeah. all the $125 for a week. Kind of sketch. Definitely sketch. <laughs> like I'd have a room and there, I'd have a mini fridge, a toilet and the sink. And it would all just be like in the same, like just in the studio or in the hotel room, mm -hmm. you know, and I'd have like friends visit that were coming, like high school friends that were like, what Oh, we're going this? to like, this was, I graduated high school in 2007. So this was like, so April of, sorry, so 2007, I, I was 18, then I turned, it would have been 2008 or 2009. Oh, shit. End of 2008, start, or no, not end of That was a good year. Whatever, good. April 09 or something like yeah. that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was staying in residence hotels and, like, friends would come through and just be like, what, like, what are you doing? Like, where are you living? What is this? You know, um, but it was, you could only stay like for a week or two weeks mm -hmm. at a time. So it was like, I'd check out for a day. And you knew nobody. At the time I knew nobody. Okay. Or I had two friends that, went, that I went to high school with who did okay. not, who did not skateboard that, um, lived out in, uh, the sunset. Mm -hmm. But I was obsessed obviously at the time with the notion of downtown and all of that. Yeah, sunset is boring as <laughs> All of that. And, um, so after doing like the residence hotels and jumping around for probably half a year or so, maybe even close to a year, um, I got like a pretty good job working at like an assisted living home. And then from that, I just ended up moving in with the two dudes from high school. Um, and in, I, the, in the sunset? Yeah. So I was on 34th and Terravel. Okay. I used so, to live on 48th and Judah. Okay. So you, I, with like Brad Johnson and like Jason Wessler and these. That's days. sick. Like Brad Johnson was always like the the like uh, ambiguous legend kind of. You know what I mean? Like like you would never see him in person, but like it was like you, everyone knew who he was. You know? You could go to Zod Pizza and see him. And <laughs> You're right. Yeah. But like yeah. But yeah. The, so that was an interesting transition. That was the sunset. But um, I ended up meeting. Um, I can't even recall how it happened, but. I met Eric Palazzolo, mm -hmm. who was a photographer. He's now like the OJ in Santa Cruz, like team manager. He's mm -hmm. worked his way up very well through I've skateboarding. Seen his name somewhere recently. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, so um, uh, Eric Palazzolo, or Pizzle, is mm -hmm. nickname. But uh, I met him, and 
he basically kind of like, we started shooting photos together and it was the first time that I had ever like, oh, people shoot mm -hmm. photos. I mean, like I knew people shot photos of skateboarding, mm -hmm. obviously from magazines, but first time somebody showed interest in wanting to shoot photos of me, okay. you know? Uh, and then so him and I would skate and shoot and then he had friends that were like, that would move over from like Minneapolis, or sorry, uh, Wisconsin and like Illinois and stuff. And so through that, I would like meet those people. Mm -hmm. And then we just would go just to the- started. Just snowballed eventually. Yeah. But weirdest island kids kind mm -hmm. of, you know, like we'd just go to the island every day and skate yeah. flat. And then through that, it was like, oh, like you sell weed? Like, oh, you got a dime bag? Cool, oh, what's your name? All right, sick. Yeah. And then you met that dude, that's now your homie. Yeah. You know, and- um, It's interesting because I see in skateboarding, there's a lot of like, kind of a filmer and a skater or a photographer and a skater who kind of like work very well together and kind of grow, feed off of each other and right. kind of grow with each other. Absolutely. You know? I could say the same, like off the top of my head, I would say like Victor and Marcus McBride or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like two people who just kind of like work well and yeah, create. Click. Yeah, they click and then create the magic with right. each other. Yeah. So, so I mean, over to after time or over time, me and Eric, that was basically the dynamic we had was mm. it was, we would, I mean, I was sponsorless basically at the time. And, uh, actually I got plan B boards and I got silver trucks. So oh, it was, shit, it was really interesting. Uh, those brands are like the complete opposite of what the type of person that I, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and the Bay area <laughs> that as well. I see you are. Yeah. And just for the Bay area, it was like weird, yeah. you know, but like for me in Oregon, it was normal. Uh, -huh. uh but yeah, Jason Maxwell uh, would bless it with like mm -hmm. 12 board boxes at the time. That's so cool. that half of that allowed me to eat and the other half allowed me to skate. What did you what like what did you want to do? Like were you like I'm going to be a pro skateboarder or like you're just like I'm just out here having fun oh, or like Oh yeah, pro skateboarding was like all right okay. like I don't want to say like from like the get go of skating that was like my mentality, but that was like what that was my dream. Mm -hmm. Was like I I just saw in magazines what I saw, you know, I I watched fulfill the dream being one of my first videos and then instantly I was mm. one of those Chad Muska kids you know yeah. um and then from that you know Jamie Thomas of course and just then like basically everyone that became a, a character in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater yeah you know I fanned out on or had all <laughs> Dude, those that people game really changed a lot like that influenced a lot of kids yeah to skate. but I mean that just even game. before the game came out just mm -hmm. those were the biggest names yeah. in skating so like I saw that mm. and also jump off a building was a video I had it, just the whole thing. Like I, maybe I didn't understand it or what mm. being pro was, but I was like, that's, that's yeah. what I want, you know? Shit. Um, and GX wasn't like, that wasn't a thing at the time, right? Living in SF. That was at, a long time ago. Yeah. It wasn't, no, it was not a thing yet. Uh, I didn't meet Ryan and those guys until like the last nine months that I lived there last year or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and even then, I still didn't, like, really skate with, like, didn't film with Ryan, really. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, like, I mean, I hung out with Yanni and some of those people and stuff like that. But, like, it just, they weren't my close friend group mm -hmm. yet. Um, but I was skating with, I met Waylon Bone. Okay. And so uh, I met Waylon through Eric. And I forget how that whole connection happened. But uh, then I filmed with him for the, basically the entire time I lived in SF. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved here... Uh, we filmed together for mm -hmm. a long time. So. Yeah. Um, but going to SF, yeah, the, the main thing was like, 
skateboarding and, and like, then it worked out yeah um actually <laughs> and sure. i forget too i met someone i forget his name and i feel terrible but uh i met uh, a homie nsf that skated that was from oregon as well that we uh like kind of went there like we like happened to be on the same flight or something mm-hmm. i forget how we met we were at the same hostel or something the first week i was there and so we skated together and then he moved away okay um but it was it was interesting yeah. it took like a little like six months to like almost a year a to like find it took me meet. like three years in new york to like feel comfortable <laughs> <laughs> yeah it took, took me a full like yeah some time here for sure a lot of wasted time of like exactly hey man you ever want to move out here like i'd love to film who actually like set the whole gx downhill thing off like who was the first person who was like i'm gonna like go nuts on these fucking hills to be honest i don't know if i have if i know that if i know the answer to that question um the first person that i personally ever saw that was like utilizing sf to it's like to a lot of its potential at that time was like ben gore Uh was really using SF really uniquely. Um, but I feel like when I lived there, hill bombing wasn't really like a big thing yet. I mean, it was kind of like, it was still like downtown. Like I, I was fascinated with downtown and like trying to find new spots or whatever. And like, I liked going down there and like Chinatown and by the Island. And like, uh, yeah. when they started building, uh, whatever that medical school was out towards, uh, third army mm-hmm. um i don't know i just like i wanted i wanted to skate sf like i thought how people skated in new york yeah you know and i we would bomb hills but it was never like oh there's this handrail and then you fucking land into yeah. like a triple kink hill bomb mm-hmm. you know like that was never my mindset but um i really don't know like I, maybe de La, honestly because mm-hmm. i remember actually i, I tailed to this one ledge and i like bombed like half the hill yeah and like the you know the clip ended so like you couldn't tell i like just went it was probably like it into, cool if you would have just w- done the, the whole next hill. driveway like i mean yeah. he, he probably didn't see the clip but like <laughs> then he like backtails it and like bombs the whole hill and you know, i was just like what the fuck oh, you got to do it that way from now on like yeah like <laughs> then i realized i was like oh like, if you don't send the whole thing like it's not really worth it you know yeah i mean um, growing up in san francisco the way that gx and you guys skate it never fucking occurred to us to skate it like that. Like, Bombing Hills was fun. We used to do, like, Ninth Avenue Run and all that shit, but it was just, like, you just wanted to get from... You just wanted to get to Embarcadero, basically. yeah. So, but, like, yeah, we never occurred to us to, like, utilize the city in that way. Right. I mean, I still, like, again, you know, I didn't know Ryan and them yet, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, they very well could have been on that, like, wave before I even, like, met them, you know? Mm -hmm. But I definitely wasn't yeah i just wasn't a person like i would bomb hills to again get from point a to point b like mm-hmm. bomb geary or like leaving work trying to get back home or going home from a party drunk or something you yeah. know like, oh, i'm gonna bomb down as much of hate as possible yeah, and exactly. i know i'm not gonna make it you know or just <laughs> yeah. things like that but exactly. like in my head hill bombing wasn't like a other than maybe just to bomb hills for fun it wasn't mm-hmm. like looking for spots that incorporated the hills so much you know like those guys did so Mm -hmm. those that that credit all goes to those dudes for sure sure. so eventually then you how long did you live in sf in total that's another thing i like it's like to me i'm like oh i lived there for three years and then i'm like that's not possible because 
I skated for Polar going into 2000, the year 2012. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's where I get confused. Was it 2008 when I moved there or was it 2009? Mm -hmm. So uh, it was about two and a half years. Okay. Because um, I know it was close to three, yeah. but it was two and a half years. Because I did two, I worked at a high school the last two years that I worked there and I did two full school years. Which high school? Uh, it was called Peter Lick. Uh, but it was a private high school. It was across the street from City College, okay. like the bank spot yeah. under the the tram or the mm. fucking yeah, Muni. The Muni thing or whatever. Yeah, so there's a private high school across okay. the street. Me and Waylon were lunch ladies <laughs> at a private high school. Wait, wait, wait. You guys are like the lunch fucking yeah. guards? Like, you're like, here's your slop fucking. But dude, no, it was, it was $50,000 a year. What? To go to the school. Were you serving the food? To go to the school uh -huh. for the students. Uh -huh. So like the kids were driving, like pulling up in Porsches and like. BMWs, you know. This and is like, no shame. Like every, I just think it's like no, we all do what we got to do. No, no, no. Oh, I love, I love the job, dude. It was amazing. Like it was like I was, I was 19 serving the kids a year younger than me food at high school. I, I mean, like at one point I got asked to prom while working there, which is, I mean, granted, good that you said no. I, uh, my, I hope you said my boss pulled me into the office and was like, you know, you know, you can't. I was like, of course. I was like, but even when I got the job, it was like, it was like, hey, you're 18 years old. Like these people, like you're the same age of these people. Or no, hey, you're 19 years old. You're like basically the same age of these people. It's not too far off. Yeah. yeah but uh, that only happened because the previous job I had at the old, the the assisted living home, uh, my boss there was really good friends with my, okay. the boss or my, who became my boss at the yeah. high school. Um, That's hilarious. And it just got kind of old being at the old folks home and you would be serving people every day and then mm. all of a sudden they weren't there the next day. That's kind of sad. And yeah. then you're like, all right, I have to yeah. deal with that today <laughs> on top of just yeah. being at work, you know, yeah. but yeah. so yeah, the high school six. So yeah, we were lunch ladies, but there was like, you don't really think about how much goes into it, really. Like, maybe like at a normal high school, it's not so different. They're just like throwing like the, the little hash brown squares on a tray and like the little pe breakfast pizzas or whatever. But like, we had like top tier, like, like there was an odd walla vending machine. Oh shit. They, they, they sold seltzer water before I knew what seltzer water yeah, was. Yeah, you're like, what is it? Yeah, like flavored seltzer water, because like, they didn't want to sell soda, uh -huh. you know? And then I'd never seen a high school that want, that really like, influence their students to drink as much coffee as humanly oh, possible like <laughs> 10 pump pots of coffee that had to be replenished like <laughs> non-stop like, like if the coffee ran out it was a shit show you know but like they had a whole sandwich station that was like they would shit on subway you know what i mean like you go to like the nicest deli the nicest bodega like and you could eat for free was oh, that we, ate, another oh thing we ate too? for free oh, okay so and that like, was like a good that was a yo and i like all these job like, then and like so we had the sandwich station, but it was like, we had to get up, like be there like 6 a.m. And it was like, I had to put like bacon onto like 12 <laughs> baking sheets. So I'd have to make like a thousand strips of bacon. <laughs> and then I'd have to make like 3000 cookies or something like that because the kids just love, they would literally be like, can I just get like $3 worth of bacon and like eight cookies? And you're like, yeah, like go ahead. But like, I'm eating like butternut squash soup and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna put eight strips of bacon in my soup. You know, like I just have this endless bucket of bacon at the time. But uh, oh yeah, so like God, we're, we're doing that and then like, you know, we got like chef whites on and then like we had Solana and Melanie who were like our bosses and they were like in their 
like early 40s, late 30s, and uh, me and Waylon were just like fucking off and like. <laughs> I can imagine Waylon there. Dude, but like both of us, we would party all night, sleep for an hour, and then come in and be like, like, I mean, at the time, yeah, we didn't care, but it yeah. was just like, you guys, like, you guys understand this is high school and that you guys reek of alcohol and like go in the bathroom and like tidy yourself up. Go a do little. something. Yeah, Make it go away. Go like. do what you can. Please have like three cups of coffee, here's some gum, and like, check back in five. You know, like, go stand in the walk in for 10 minutes. You know, you need it. Oh, uh, shit, that's hilarious. But yeah, okay, and no. then like, there's so many things behind the scenes that we did, but, uh, yeah, it was a lot of like just cutting, prepping. Like, I'd say it was like full legit like restaurant job at yeah. a high school. Yeah. But uh, the funniest thing, and um, I'm incriminating myself here, is that uh, I did the, I rang the kids up mm-hmm. like half the time, okay. uh, and so they all had pens, pen numbers, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever, like a four-digit pen. And there's a little keypad, and like I'd walk up, and I'd be like, all right, you got an Adwala, you got a cookie, and you got sandwich whatever cool like mm-hmm. put it in the computer and then put their pin in whenever they walk away and then be like some kid be like hey like what's up how's your day going and they'd be like yeah whatever like dude you know like because <laughs> i'm like a year older than them and i'd be like all right dude seven odd wallas <laughs> and then next thing you know my backpack's got five in it <laughs> you know and then i'm like i'm like That's oh yeah good. 12 cliff bars on this kid you know and i'm like putting 12 cliff bars on his tab and i'm just like because at the time i was just like still yeah, trying like, to like i was like living trife or yeah. whatever like, i'm trying to save a buck any way i can <laughs> putting toilet paper from the staff bathroom in the backpack but yeah anytime some kid was a dickhead i was just like i was like yo all right you're paying for my lunch you're paying for my lunch this weekend like, i think the statute of limitations is up on that one. yeah, yeah so, so you, i got accused for it i got accused for it oh, you did? Oh, yeah, i got caught i lied though. i was like nah yanni bought 30 odd wallets yesterday i saw it watch that those shits are expensive too and you're like 18 a four dollar drink you're like they're like oh, 875 <laughs> <laughs> it was like high school price you know? like it wasn't there's was no discount at that place like one cookie was above Holy 50 shit. i think or something it's crazy so eventually <laughs> like then you end up in new york you're like okay yeah you get sick of the fucking sf the student job like you're like yeah that I happened i need to move on from this yeah so me and Waylon. um we did the first year at school at the school, and then it was summertime because we had summer off, of okay. course, you know. So, uh, but we worked like we made good enough money to where like we could we saved money and we were mm-hmm. able to not work during the summer. Okay, nice. And then so we came to New York, uh, what 2010 for a month, and we had like a great time and it was super fun, filmed some stuff, but like our idea of New York was obviously so skewed from like what reality was, you know, or like what the city really was like Midtown was the only thing that mattered to us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're like, let's go skate Midtown. Like, yeah. Go to Midtown. Like, and like, I'm <laughs> like the to, worst place in the world. Yeah. Like. And like we stayed like, uh, I think his girlfriend at the time had a friend and she lived on like 110th in Amsterdam. So we were like up in Harlem staying up there. Like, and whatever 10 years ago it is what it is but like it was definitely rougher Mm -hmm. and like taking the a train up and like Mm -hmm. it was just different and like first time i'd gotten on a bus uh or first time i'd ridden the bus in new york was on that trip Mm -hmm. and like because the train wasn't working or whatever so it's a shuttle bus we get on and there's literally like 20 
hood ass rollerbladers on the back of the bus. Maybe it was the Dipset team. Nah, <laughs> but like comparable, you know. But like, but like the second we walk on the bus, we're like, oh shit, we got two wood pushers on this bus, and I was just like. What the fuck? Oh, People like still roll. Beef. But like, because I rollerbladed as a kid, and like you saw that a lot in Oregon in the Northwest. And mm. but like to me, I was like, "People still rollerblade? <laughs> People still do that?" And like you, you still see a lot of people rollerblade yeah. here in New York. You know, no disrespect, but like, yeah. it was just a mind shock to me. I was like, "What the hell? Mm. There's 20 of these dudes, and they want to fight us right now, or something?" <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we came out for like a month and. Yeah, we thought like Brooklyn was like you got off the train and there's gonna be cellar like Philly steps and cellar doors at every corner and like mm-hmm. our idea of it was just so off. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Brooklyn once. We actually got off uh, at like Clinton, Washington, in Bed Stuy, like by where I live now, and we yeah. like skated around. We're like, nope, this is too hood. Like, gotta get back on the train. <laughs> went back into the city and then uh, did another school year and then came back again that summer and then the first evening I uh, rolled my ankle or broke my foot I forget exactly what happened because I didn't go to the doctor Mm -hmm. but folded it really good and then I ended up kind of just getting sucked into like the New York nightlife and being young that Mm -hmm. whole month and uh, then I met Brian De La Torre and Brian basically was just like I'd known him a little bit from SF and he had just moved from SF to New York like mm-hmm. a year before that. And, uh, he was just like, Oh, you're tripping. Like, let's go, uh, to Tompkins and like sit down and talk about this or whatever. Mm. And he was just like, Probably cause you were kind of like over it or like, he knew I was, or like he knew I was in SF, but he was just like, I haven't told this to a lot of people, but like that place is dead. Like got to move to New York. Like this is mm-hmm. where stuff's popping off. Like, you know, don't go back. Yeah. Like stay right now. And then, cause I was hurt the whole time and I started skating again and like we were filming with Waylon and stuff. And, uh, and then it was like, all right, yeah. And then I called my roommate and I was the worst dude, you know, and Hey man, I'm staying hey. here's two months of rent ahead of time. My mom will be there in a month to grab my bike and grab my belongings. We can just, well, that was good. You paid. Yeah. I mean, I think I paid two months. I think I paid two months ahead. You do them dirty. Like yeah. that's fine. Yeah. You gave him two months warning that you were moving out. That's I'm pretty sure <laughs> Yeah. at least a month, a month for sure. A yeah. month for sure. Well, that's standard. Yeah. But it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, that's how that happened. Mm-hmm. But Waylon, but like we kind of came out here, God, I shaved today and I got a nose, <laughs> nose here. Uh, but yeah, we came, like came out like with a bunch of people and then a few of us stayed and then a few went back mm-hmm. and he went back. And then after maybe me being here for like six months and not knowing anybody and just being fucking lonely and shit mm-hmm. and just being like, all right, like, cause at the time too, like, I mean, TQM had started and, uh, certain things so like it was still like pretty like small clicks you know mm-hmm. what i mean and, like the main crew was like the rob harris green diamond crew and oh, i wasn't really? tight with yeah. all those dudes yet so i didn't really know where i was going and so i basically like pleaded and begged mm-hmm. Waylon. i was like you gotta move out here like you gotta i need a filmer i need my friend like mm-hmm. please you know mm-hmm. and then uh, he eventually made the move because um yeah, Daylaw wanted to move uh, move out and move into a different place. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of like worked out perfectly with the timing. Mm-hmm. Called Waylon. I was like, hey, he's moving out like in a week if you want to move yeah. in. And it just worked out. It's funny because I remember at that time I was working at DQM in the small store. I had just come back from Barcelona 
And I was so fucking out of the loop, dude. I didn't know. I was like kind of like grouchy and kind of like trying to figure out my shit. And I was like, who the fuck are all these kids that come yeah. in here every day? Because it was funny because I knew who you were. Like, I knew who you were. And I was like, like I kind of knew Daylaw, but I didn't know. I was like, just GX1000, the fucking Alzheimer's. I was like, I don't know what any of this fucking shit is. Like, yeah. I don't know any of these people. And everyone's just coming in like, <laughs> talk, only talking to Keith. Yeah. Like Keith or Chris and being like, yo, let me go to the back and take whatever I want. And you're, you're the guy there just like, just give me the fucking tags, man. Like, <laughs> no, I remember it. Yeah, it's funny because I knew who you were. I knew who you were like you're like just, know. you know your skate history and everything. And then I'm like, oh shit, like you know this dude. This dude's like legend, you know. Like I, it was funny because I didn't realize like like not not that it really matters, but I didn't know like you guys were all like the rippers that you are. I had no idea who anybody was. I don't think we were though. I don't even think, I mean. <laughs> Not that I would have we treated you at the time, you know yeah, what I mean? I wouldn't have treated you guys any differently. I hope I was respectful, but like, yeah. <laughs> but like I was just like, I don't know who these fucking people are and like, yeah. I don't know. It was I'm basically the- anyone that went, that like when Autumn went out of like, you know, I'd say like ha- at least half the people that were frequenting Autumn, cause like I didn't, I went to Autumn like 10 times before it closed, mm-hmm. you know, and then People that frequented Autumn, I'd say like half those people started like the other, like Keith went to work at DQM. Mm-hmm. Keith was always hanging out at Autumn and mm-hmm. just everyone that kind of was there. See, I missed the whole Autumn thing. Yeah, I mean, I that was before I lived yeah. here too. So it was like, I caught literally the last maybe two months of it being open or mm-hmm. three months. Um, but yeah. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved and then you get a job at Snice. That was like the skater spot, right? Yeah. Um, like a cafe or something? Yeah, it was like a vegan spot uh, or like vegan vegetarian food. Um, Daylaw had worked there at the time. Um, and yeah, just like, I think, yeah, I came in and I just met like the boss or whatever, mm-hmm. Mike Walter. And um, yeah, he was just like, yeah, like come in. I forget what day it was, but like come in like on Wednesday or something. Yeah. And it was me and Dale, I stayed up all night doing God knows what. And then it was like, <laughs> I got a phone call, like, you know, I slept for an hour and it was like, Hey, like, you know, you're late for your shift today. And I'm just like, what? And he's like, cool. See you today. And I'm in, I'm like in Chinatown. I got to make it to uh, 14th and 8th Ave. Okay. And I, I push, I made it there in like seven minutes oh, like shit. i pushed as fast as i that's probably the to this day the fastest i've ever pushed yeah. so i was like i'm not losing this job they're not missing out on this job and was was bobby puglia working there at the time uh not that day but yeah he worked i worked with him for yeah at least two years mm-hmm. um yeah that must have been interesting like moving to new york and then like working with bobby puglia knowing who he is and like well and also that was like <laughs> our like my my previous statement of like oh like we thought brooklyn was like philly steps into cellar doors and mm. you know like we thought it was all cellar doors and that we just had like an aesthetic or mm. what we thought was new york and then mm. all of a sudden the person that you know influenced <laughs> or like, was inspiring <laughs> us to like think that way like his static two-part you know yeah. like that was so much of like what we how we wanted to skate and then like pat steiner's part and mm-hmm. stuff like that it was that was so much what we watched in sf and then going there and then eventually working with bobby but uh you learned i learned quickly and bobby i love you no disrespect but uh <laughs> i learned quickly that skating wasn't the thing he wanted to talk about mm-hmm. and uh 
try to refrain from talking about skateboarding. <laughs> um, unless, and talk about him skateboarding, no, especially probably. Well, no. Don't talk about him skateboarding, or, but more or less just like, unless he brought it up, mm. it was cool to talk about it. Gino's kind of like that too. I can see Gino that. Gino Iannucci, he yeah. doesn't really like talking about skateboarding. I mean, there's times where I don't like, I want to talk about yeah, it Yeah, exactly. Like I, when I go back home to Oregon, I stay with my friends I grew up with that didn't skate. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I get a little, I get a different little mm -hmm. reset. I'm like, okay, I'm not around skaters the whole time. Yeah. I get to hang out with two dudes that just work blue collar jobs <laughs> and like just. Which is good because yeah. you, get to, you get a little break from like. Absolutely. What we know. Yeah. So did you guys become close? Did you guys start skating together or like what did. You I mean, I've never, I've only skated with Bobby like at skate parks, mm -hmm. you know, a couple times. Um, I would love to skate with him, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't say we became close, but I mean, you know, we see each other on, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like face to face like hello you know it's, yeah. it's nothing bad it's like yeah. it seems like he's happy to see me and i'm always yeah. stoked to see him and uh at work and stuff yeah it was certain topics would be you know off limits yeah. and then certain topics <laughs> where he was more than willing to talk about and love talking about them and um well that's what i wanted to ask you about like because on his we talked about it a little bit off camera but like his instagram right i want to know if like there's if, if there's a rhyme, is it is it all just things being thrown out there or is it just like, is he actually studying all these things? I would say there's two, like probably the two most well-read people I know mm -hmm. would be Josh Stewart and then, Bob, and then Bobby Puglio. Okay. And so those are two people that are very into things like that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Bob is more on the more extreme side of it because he goes on Instagram about it, mm -hmm. which is not a problem, but... Uh, I wouldn't say he's just spitting out things and like looking for things mm -hmm. uh, because he looks, he, when we worked together, it was a lot of like him talking about numerology and him talking about, you know, ex breaking down to me like primary numbers and their importance in sacred geometry and the importance of like free or, and their importance in Freemasonry or just like masonry in general or okay. like, uh, you know, and people that, you know, are a part of like Masonic lodges and like not even realizing that they're not even a part of, mm -hmm. you know, the basis, like the surface level of masonry and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So he would talk a lot of, a lot about that stuff, but it was always things I was open to talk about. Yeah. You know, um, I know those topics can be sensitive and disrespectful to some people. Sure. Um, but there was things that, you know, I, I didn't think, I don't think, I think some things can be a little, you, you can fish for things and you'll find it no matter what. But mm. I think a lot of it is like he's looked into things and what he there's, comes up with, there's there's validity to it. There's, there's, yeah. You know, but I, I don't agree with all of it. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think all of it's appropriate, but it's, you know, it is what it is. And yeah. I think I think some of it is. I definitely like can I find some of his a lot of his posts very fascinating. I'm yeah, like, like they get you thinking. Yeah, and you're I think, like, whoa, like that's that is pretty trippy. It, that's why I want to know, like, is this all coinc like random coincidences or like that's the it's like you know <laughs> you could go into like how the Simpsons have predicted every fucking thing yeah. that we're literally experiencing in our world yeah. right now, and it's like you know it's almost that. It's almost like numerology mm. is like doing the similar predictions kind of mm. is like almost what he's trying to point out. Mm -hmm. And then also like the, you know, dark side of elitism and mm. what, you know, whether it be in media or like entertainment, Hollywood type stuff, yeah. you know what I mean? 
Because it's, I mean, we, we all know that there's yeah. at least something weird. There's going. something to it, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. There's a, there's a club. Someone's, there's definitely some kind of weird club. Yeah. I mean, there's Scientology. There's Scientology. and bones, some type of shit. Yeah. I mean, that's all documented <laughs> stuff that's real, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't, like, when there's all that stuff and there's, like, photos of people in, like, Masonic garb and things like that, I'm like, all right, well, that makes sense then, you know? You know who used to go to the Masonic Temple? Billy Rohan. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is he a, like a Mason or like a Freemason? I don't really know. I think, I mean, I think so. He, he's posted a lot of it on his social media, like yeah. that he's worked his ranks up. But uh, again, that's the thing I was going to say. Is like, I think when you work your ranks up, you're not like really a part of that club unless you're, you're like. You're not in the elite. Yeah, elite. unless you're like a billionaire. <laughs> uh, but you can still practice it, I guess. Uh-huh. I don't even know what they. I don't know enough about it to even tell you what the hell they yeah. practice per se other than I don't I have no idea. I just know it's some pagan stuff and some ancient shit that they still yeah, do to the Knights day. of the Templar and all that <laughs> stuff. Exactly. Indiana Jones shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Damn. So eventually you're working at Snice, you're in New York. Um, you get on polar. Yeah. That's cool. I think you've told that story plenty of times about how like Josh Stewart yeah. like hooked you up. But I guess I, the only thing, it's funny, I, I discredit this sometimes, and I, and Leland remind me, is that I always am like, oh, Josh, and I'm not discrediting that Josh has done tremendous amounts of things for me, but also skating for Blood Wizard before skating for Polar also was like a big stepping stone, or not stepping mm-hmm. stone, but like a big... Uh, part of my skating or like a sure. part of getting to where I'm at. You of know? course. It all, it's, it was a platform to showcase what you can do to take right. to the next level. Yeah. Like that was like yeah. not a separate, like leaving that company sucked because like me and Toad, like we're good friends and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, getting a polar, I think people know that one, you yeah, know, yeah. Josh and static and stuff like yeah. that was a big help with everything. And um, yeah, so that was 2011, okay. 2012. So I remember Pontus posting a end of the world 2012 post where he was like in his basement of his apartment, like looking like he was bunkered up with his uh, yeah. fiance Bella. So it was, <laughs> Have you spent a lot of time out in Malmo, like hanging out with Pontus? Um, yeah, I did. Like when I first got on that summer, I like inst- I went out there for like a month, I think, mm-hmm. or a couple weeks, and then um, so like 2012. Yeah, 2012, no, so it was December 21st, 2012, so it would have been 2013 that summer, I went there, and then basically 2013 up until two summers ago, I went every August for the whole month, if not longer. Um, And yeah, that would always be sick, because it would either be like myself or a couple of the other dudes, because Oski lives there, Mm -hmm. Uh, David Stenstrom, um, he doesn't skate for polar anymore, but he's from Stockholm. So he would take the train up. Mm-hmm. He also lives in Copenhagen, 30 minutes yeah, away. Right there. So like, it was just like a nice, like, I just went there for the first time last year. It was pretty nice. Copenhagen to, well, Copenhagen and Malmo. Yeah. Dude, it's super yeah, cool. It was really nice. Yeah. I was like, I want to come back here. Yeah. It's pretty chill. I, I honestly, I preferred Malmo <laughs> over Copenhagen, like yeah. kind of in, in general, uh-huh. uh, Especially when I drank too, I, th- I found it to be more fun because it was like smaller. It was mm-hmm. just easier to do. And then yeah. even not drinking, it's still like, yeah. I think it's like more mellow and just kind of like 
just a chiller vibe. Yeah. You got mini ramps in a park. <laughs> right. They, they have the like ledges from Love Park. Like the actual, I know. They, the they actual fucking marble. shipped them out there, right? Yeah, they shipped them there. Like that, that's insane. <laughs> you know. Uh, that's crazy. So yeah, I mean, Malmo's like skate city. Yeah, it is. Um, and then Copenhagen's like also skate city mm -hmm. and the most bike friendly place in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did that for several years and that was amazing times yeah. and we did camping trips in sweden or a camping trip in sweden it was super fun and uh yeah did, did pontus ever tell you about any cliche stories did he have any good cliche uh stories? yeah he, he told us he told us a good one uh recently or not recently uh we went to japan back in november 2018 and uh he told us a story he might get mad but uh <laughs> I'll figure that out. He'll text me quickly. Uh, but he, he told me that um, he would, he'd fly out, like leave trips early sometimes mm -hmm. if things like whatever. And then he got kind of nicknamed like airport for that. Because <laughs> like, yeah, like, he'd always want to leave, right? I, I, I don't know. But I mean, uh, he would, I guess apparently there were times he would, they would show up to pick up a team rider at an airport on a tour and then he would, he had been productive, productive enough already, and then be like, "All right, like later, guys." <laughs> you know, like he told me he spent a lot of money buying uh, his own plane tickets and stuff like that. He's like, "I'm over this." Yeah, you know, I met Pontus like twenty something years ago in SF when he wrote for Mad Circle. Sick. Yeah, yeah. And he was he, like fifteen, probably. Yeah, he, was, he was there. But yeah, yeah. It was funny. He, he has a. He told me like that. Uh, he was skating. Uh, do they cardio ledge is that what they call it the double set one in chinatown yeah cardio ledge. Yeah, yeah they call it um so i guess uh alv was crooked grinding that and bobby was polio was filming it but like sitting on a manhole cover and there was like steam coming out mm. and it was like he was like oh dude like it's it looks so sick or whatever and i think Pontus like did one of them and like they watched it and like there was like too much like steam or something in the clip and it like just couldn't translate mm. and then Pontus tried it again and like rolled the shit out of his ankle and then if I'm remembering the story yeah. correctly and then was like really upset with Bob because <laughs> he was just yeah, like because Bobby skated for Mad Circle too yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah Bob him from what I remember and like I think there was like a little bit of like weird beef between not trying to stir anything up but between like Pontus and SJ Scott Johnston I wouldn't know. Maybe not from Scott Johnson's side, but maybe like more from like the Pontus side. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. He's never mentioned. Allegedly. I gotcha. I don't know. If you say the word allegedly, that means like, you know, yeah. you can just throw it out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I don't know. I do remember that from like back in the day because we were like at Embarcadero like, who, what, who is this Euro guy like over here? Right. But shout out to Pontus. Don't Viking chop me next time you see me. <laughs> Break you in half. Break you in half with his hand. Seriously. <laughs> Strong man. So you're living in New York and like you, I think you kind of briefly touched on it earlier. Like maybe you got a little caught up in like partying and yeah. New York shit. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I wouldn't even say it was there. I mean, yeah, New York influenced it or started it per se. Um, I mean, I partied when I was younger, when I was mm -hmm. a kid or like teenager or whatever and graduating high school and in high school. But uh, then moving here and like, or like moving to SF, you experiment with things and you, mm -hmm. you know, you get older and whatever, you get a fake ID and stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. when you're 19. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like New York, just oh, uh, it, it, you can do whatever you want here. Yeah, you know, like whatever you're into, you can go 100% into it. You have and to have you, a lot of discipline to like. Yeah, so it's like if you want to be an alcoholic in the city, that is not hard at all. And nobody really like gives you any shit for it. Either. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, or if you want to be an artist in the city, you can do it. No one's mm -hmm. gonna give you shit for it. And mm -hmm. you can like basically anything you want to do here. Like mm -hmm. there's an outlet and a way to do it, mm -hmm. like to the fullest and partying is something that you can do like even further than that yeah. I feel like here and that was something that was new to me um but it really like it it was a lot of like traveling more or less mm -hmm. and seeing the world and like just ex you know then having teammates and stuff like that and not just like partying with like my roommates and like my group of friends here mm -hmm. you know all of a sudden you're with you know I'm with Mike Anderson and Kenny Anderson and people I've looked up to my entire life or like mm -hmm. the last 10 years of my of skateboarding and been like now i'm in the van with kenny and mike and zared and like mm -hmm. all these people that like that i you know yeah. and then like they're like yo we're gonna go fucking party tonight and it's like i'm not gonna say no like are yeah. you kidding me and be like if like little baby hit me up today and was like yo let's go smoke a bagwood or <laughs> yeah you'd be like all right like cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't really smoke but <laughs> yeah but you know like just certain things it's like it it just kind of caught caught up to me with that, you know, and it was a lot of just the traveling and um, a lot of it too was, uh, I had a huge weird fear of flying for a long time. So mm -hmm. I drank a lot to just deal with the flying. Mm -hmm. um, and through that, uh, I've mentioned this before, it's kind of like whoever I was when I would fly is like who I would turn into for the rest of the trip. Mm -hmm. um, and then like kind of just seeing that behavior and things like that and like the relationships I was bruising or like mm. um I don't know just like the behavior and like the accountability you have yeah. to take for yourself and like waking up the next morning and being like oh shit like I posted that on Instagram and yeah. like my team my team manager's hitting me up today like what yeah. are you what are you doing dude mm. you know and then you're like yeah, I did shave my head on, and I did shave my head on Instagram live last night while my nose was bleeding. Like, uh, not a good look. Yeah. But, anyways, well, you I learn mean, from those situations, and yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about flying because I used to do that too, and I would get like wasted on the way to somewhere, and that kind of like you're showing up fucked up. Which kind of shapes the way the re the whole trip is gonna go. Absolutely, it's completely different than like showing up sober, skating, doing whatever you got to do, and then getting wasted on the last two nights or yeah. whatever on the last night. Yeah, like, you go just, into it. You no, go into it already. It's like you've been at the bar for twelve hours or ten hours, <laughs> yeah. get, eight hours getting there, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, now I'm in this, I'm in Barcelona where yeah. I can buy street beers for a dollar, and I, you know, it's and it endless. just kind of like keeps going keeps a little going. bit. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. And that, go, and you can do that for years and mm -hmm. years and years and years. True. So when did you decide to stop drinking? Um, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, December third, two thousand seventeen, was uh, the last time I drank. Uh, the last time I drank intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, I was given a beer at an airport, an airport lounge. Uh, like a year ago and I, the dude didn't realize that he'd the first beer I had was a non-alcoholic one and then I asked mm. for another one and then he was like oh yeah beer yeah whatever whatever and then mm. it came back obviously it tasted the same because I do drink non-alcoholic beer but uh the second I stood up 
You're not like, for not drinking for like yeah. a year and a half. I knew yeah. instantly, and I was just like, "Get me on the plane." Good that and it didn't. Plane. It didn't trigger. You didn't go back. Like, uh, for a moment, you know, there's. I, I felt the pep in my step. I felt like a little egoic, yeah. whatever, you know. But I was just like, no, like mm-hmm. I forgot. I forget where we're headed. But I was just like, no, mm-hmm. you know, this is not the slope. Yeah. Like, we're not where I want to go. And like that, the dude, the dude made like I. I got really upset. I was pissed, you know. But I was like, it's not the dude's fault. Yeah, you know, like he's messed up, and it's like, I, whatever. I should be drinking out of the bottle if I need to be that weary mm-hmm. about it you know but uh yeah so it was december 3rd was the last time i did it but it was uh like november um leading up to it was kind of mm-hmm. like when everything was falling apart okay. um it's on a trip with like day law and certain people and ryan garchel and it was a converse trip and uh the first part of the trip started in germany in uh hamburg in november mm-hmm. so that's like it's 20 degrees outside. It's like yeah. freezing cold. And they're like, yeah, you guys got to go there for two weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. And we, after two days, like everyone's complaining, like mm-hmm. no one's feeling it. And we're just like flies to Portugal, flies to Portugal. Like it's, yeah. it's 80 degrees there. Like just get us to Portugal and got to Portugal. And then just, I don't know why, but like me, Jake Johnson, Daylaw and Ryan Garchel, like we could not sleep for the life of us. Mm-hmm. Like we stayed, it's the first time I'd been on a trip where I guess I've been spoiled, uh, <laughs> where like all 12 of us were in one hostel room. Uh-huh. So it was like six bunk beds or like eight bunk beds or whatever. And just, you know, everyone's on top of each other and everyone, half the group's snoring and all this stuff. So it'd be like five, 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, Ryan, you awake? And he'd be like, yep. And I'd be like, all right, let's go walk. And we'd mm-hmm. walk around every Which inch. actually sounds like a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. Like, but at the time, the mindset I was in and how much I was drinking and everything, it was like I, w- I wasn't sleeping, mm-hmm. and then I just kept it going. That kind of, without the lack of sleep and like lots of drinking, you kind of fucking go nuts. Yeah, you go a little kooky. Yeah. And uh, I was definitely in that kook mode. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I had a couple companions. I was just like, yeah. yeah, like let's go walk around. But we'd walk from 4 or 5 a.m. until 10, mm-hmm. and then it was that was the time when Remy and... Uh, Oh, fuck, I forget who else was even on that trip. Remy and the other guys were ready to go skate and mm-hmm. be productive, you mm-hmm. know? And then, like, we've just been, like, sleep-deprived and, like, maybe already drank a few beers. I've drank already, like, 20 or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, so it was just a wash for me. And um, I had been pretty open to Jerome. Jerome Campbell was on the Hamburg portion of the trip, mm-hmm. and then he went back to Lon- or back to England when we went to Portugal. Um and I was being pretty open with him about how I was feeling and mm-hmm. like uh, that I thought I had a drinking problem and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he, him and I have always talked about a lot of stuff and like him and I went to Korea together once and like had a blast. And, and on that trip when we went to Korea, he never drank again. Cause, really? Cause it was like our last night was super fun and nightclub and all this stuff. Cause our hotel was in this nightclub thing. Yeah. And so he never drank ever again after that oh, trip. Shit. And then to this day, to this day, uh, oh, wow. I believe. Yeah, um, I haven't spoke to him for like a month, but uh, but yeah. So then, basically, I was venting to him about some stuff, and he was like, "Yeah, like that's how I was feeling, and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. and whatever. Like, try this or that." And I couldn't really take the advice at the time because I was too too mixed up in it, mm-hmm. and uh, I had already. A lot of people already knew. Like, yeah. team, all my team managers knew that I was like going through something, you know. So it was a. Uh, 
easy decision, I guess, once I was kind of like told to leave the trip and go home like two days early. And then, like I mentioned in a different interview, it wasn't home here. It was yeah. home to the parents. And Well, the thing is, it's like you're very open about this and it's like. The, but at the same time, you're not alone. Like, there's yeah. so many fucking scares. The amount of people that think, like, <laughs> that actually think, like, because I did the Ben Ramers smile interview yeah. and the out there piece with Waylon, like, mm -hmm. the amount of people, like, just because I talk about mental health, that mm -hmm. genuinely think that I'm actually crazy <laughs> because I'm because I'm honest yeah. and I'm open about my, about just, yeah, I have some depression, I have generalized anxiety. And so many people deal with that. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it's like some people take medication, some people don't, mm -hmm. some people self-medicate, some people just cope. Mm -hmm. But it's like, there's people out there that like legit <laughs> think I'm nuts. And I'm just like, I'm like, no, man. Like, You're like, I, actually, I'm not. Like, like uh, I'm, I mean, I, yeah, I got some stuff going on, but I'm not. But we all do. Yeah, who doesn't, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's. Yeah, and so that's that's a thing. It's like mm -hmm. always wanting to be open about that stuff. One thing I did want to ask you, I read somewhere where you said like you drank a lot because you felt guilty. But like what is it that you felt guilty about? Um just I mean just kind of personal things in my life, mm -hmm. just behavioral stuff, family and friends and just loved ones and things mm -hmm. like that. I just didn't not, Yeah, you don't not to get too personal. Yeah, I mean just I just wasn't really handling. Mhm. Mm myself very well and like just interacting with people and yeah kind of like I don't know I just kind of I, I was a shitty person mm -hmm. a lot of the like at least half the time I drank you know yeah. what I mean so then I would drink more to yeah make myself feel better about that shitty behavior yeah but. I definitely drank in my skateboard career I definitely drank more than I should have I think uh, most of us do yeah and it's funny because it's like you're it's so frowned upon to be like a healthy productive person right. in skateboarding. I don't know if it's changed nowadays. Nowadays maybe it's like oh I eat my OCIE bowl and like yeah. I mean, stretch like, on my foam roller but like fucking right. in the 90s it was like yo none of that shit. Yeah. No stretching, no eating good, just no. drinking every day, getting high as fuck. Right. Doing everything to the max like as much as you could, and then you're supposed to go out the next day and like perform, you know? Yeah. And that's the way it was. Yeah. Especially in the North, it was like a North, that's like such a NorCal thing too. Like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still it's still such a thing, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's, it's not anything, and it's nothing I have a problem with, like mm -hmm. being around or, you know, or I never want to be the person to tell somebody that they're overindulging in something. If anything, I, someone's overindulging, I'm almost like, yeah. Yeah, you're having fun. Like, go for it, man. Yeah, like, for it. yeah, you're having a great time. Like, keep it going. You know, mm -hmm. unless they start annoying me personally, then I'll be like, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you know, uh, kind of lost my train of thought there. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's it's almost uh, like wellness is a big thing in skating. You know, like Alex is super into it. Alex Olson, like mm -hmm. big into the wellness stuff. Kenny's super into wellness. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like 99% vegan. I'll you know s sneak some candy in there sometimes. You know what I mean? But like What's that other Rasta guy, or he's not a Rasta, but uh, heel flip guy. <laughs> Matt Pills? He's like super. No, he's like new school baker. Light skinned black dude. Neem. Neem. Oh, he's Neem. A, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a health. He's like on. Oh the yeah. He's, he's like, like he's the health these, guru. Now. Yeah, he's like yeah. a health guru or something. Yeah. He's like yeah. got the whole. He's now on like sponsored ads on my yeah, Instagram. Yeah, exactly. For, 
like kettle kettlebells or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, <laughs> power on him. Or, I mean, he looks great. He yeah. fucking skates amazing. Like yeah. so, whatever he's doing, it's obviously working. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's definitely interesting because it's like you, even in the times when I was, because like I I became. Or I, I went vegan when I was still indulging in things like that. And it was like, you know, thinking that you could do certain things. And then you're like, oh, it's all good, though. I'm going to get, like, the green juice in the morning. I'm going to mm-hmm. get, like, the water and, like, the acai bowl. And, like, I'm going to be fine. And you're like, mm-hmm. who the hell am I trying to kid? Like, yeah. a green juice doesn't fucking compensate for the 20 beers I had and the 10 Jaeger bombs. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> get rid of that. You know what I mean? It's definitely some mental shit. Like, yeah, you're just like, all right, green. it's like, no, you need like three beers and like a nap. That's yeah. what you need. Seriously. Yeah. But, a good friend of mine told me a long time ago, she was like, she had some problems with like heroin and, and like, I think it's the same with like drugs and alcohol. It's like, once you kick the habit of whatever you're addicted to, that's when the real work starts. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I still Because smoke. that's when you have to face who you are and the things that you're running from. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah. No? Yeah, I mean, like, I still smoke weed. Like, that is, you know, just to clarify with the world, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. But, like, because I don't, I don't like to use the word sober, really, because mm-hmm. it's uh, misleading. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, if I'm like, oh, I'm sober, then people assume I'm clean. Yeah. You know, but it's like, no, I still smoke weed. That's kind of like the thing I continue to do because I identify with it and I have for a long time and whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I would absolutely say like once you put something down that you've been using to help you cope with something, that's when you really face like the true, mm-hmm. like your, your emotions become, I always say like, uh, you get a floodgate of emotion mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it becomes surface level. Um, and then for me personally, that's when like I realized like, oh shit, like I'm not just like, I don't have anxiety like because of like these things. Like I just have it literally almost 24 yeah. seven. It's like, it's not like because something's on my mind. It's like, uh, I'm like, it's just, it's just how there. you're wired. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I didn't know that's, that I've been that way since I was a kid, you know, like mm-hmm. I've never been able to sit still. I've never mm-hmm. been able to do things or, uh, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Never been able to sit still and like, I'm, you know, I chew my fingernails or like there's mm-hmm. something, you know You have I mean? nervous kind of energy. Yeah, exactly. Always had nervous energy mm-hmm. and like just neuroses and little things that like I'm particular about. Yeah. So like once I realized that like, all right, this is something I've always had and I will always live with. I was like, all right, it's, yeah, it just is what it is, you know? Are there anything that the, are there any things that you do besides skating to kind of help with your anxiety or like uh i'm unfortunately uh uh how would you explain it um i was gonna say uh i'm a prisoner to the pharmaceutical industry unfortunately when it comes to Mm -hmm. that like uh i take anti-anxiety medication for it Mm -hmm. um because it got to a point of being almost unbearable Mm -hmm. um and for me like not drinking and stuff like that uh and whatever like there's i just take medication for mm-hmm. that as well as uh That's cool yeah i mean it's like it's you know it's not like uh something that would um the way that i take it like people could abuse it you know it's like it's similar to like xanax and stuff like that like you could totally abuse it if you wanted to yeah. but the way i take it is like i take it in the evening time because it lasts for a long time mm-hmm. so i take it the evening time i sleep off anything that would be sedative and then it just helps me sleep well sleep through the night and then I wake up and I have less anxiety because yeah. it's still kind of resonating, nice. lingering in my body. I mean, you figure out what works for you and that's, that's yeah. all that matters. It's something though, down the road, I, I want to 
not be on medication for it because I know there are things in my life or there are, uh, let's say like holistic and wellness things like reducing your cortisol levels and like certain things in your brain and your body you can do to like minimize those things. So mm -hmm. I would like to get on that path though. Yeah. Cause it's like pharmaceuticals fucking are evil. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird, but I mean, if it's helping, it's helping you now. Like, yeah, that's cool. You know, what really helped me with my anxiety is running. I run like three times a week. Really? And like that is the best. I think actually running probably saved my life. Interesting. Not that I was ever in some kind of crazy place. No, but I know, place, you, but I know like, what you mean though. It saved me and made me become more of a conscious person of like, I feel stressed. I feel anxious. I go for a run. I never regret a run ever. Right. Like it's one of those things like even if you're so lazy, you don't feel like doing it. You always, for me personally, I will always be happier after I go for a run. Nice. It just like gets your fucking endorphins pumping. Right, yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's I, like I, a magic, for, for me, it's like this magical thing. Like, yeah. It's crazy. That's, that's interesting. My dad was like a big marathon runner and my mom did all that like growing up when, when they were growing up and mm -hmm. everything. But it's like my friend Nick got super into running uh, this last year and it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's like he's... The way uh, he, you know, has all the apps and everything and tracking it, but it's like everything he posts about it, like he would be, you know, get up at 6 a.m., go work 12 hours, then he would go and run for two just at like mm -hmm. McCarran Park, like around the track mm -hmm. and like post his updates and like how he was feeling yeah. and everything about it. I'd be like, dude, how in the hell after like a 12 hour work day yeah. are you going and running for two hours? Like you've been on your feet. You're like a, you know, mm -hmm. you're like a set guy, like you're yeah. working on set and on your feet and then you go and you run every night. Like, That's probably what takes his, yeah. I mean, he's takes a, it all out. He doesn't you know? drink either. He's like, yeah. a, you know, so it's like, I think it's definitely his stress reliever. Yeah. And I post my like runs on Instagram stories. Sometimes I'm like, nobody gives a fuck about this shit, but like, I like it. So like yeah, I put course. it up there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I ride my bike a lot of the time and I never regret a bicycle ride, even if it like, exactly. Even if it's to nowhere or like unproductive or something, you know, it's mm -hmm. never regret that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Somebody kind of told me once, not that you've ever hit rock bottom or I don't know, I kind of got to a weird place in Barcelona, but like it felt like my rock bottom. And then like, if you can kind of like people that can kind of get to like a really low place and then kind of crawl their way up out of that. Right. Generally like better i mean not for lack of but like better kind of like more empathetic and like kind of have a right. better view of the world and the way things yeah of treating other people and how things right. should go i mean I, I totally agree on that mm -hmm. i wouldn't say i mean like i still can treat people very poorly mm -hmm. you know what i mean um i would say like me myself uh I, I don't i act pretty similar than like how i did when i drank but just mm -hmm. kind of without the alcohol mm -hmm. but not as much of a dickhead and doing like very risky things, but, um, definitely, uh, yeah, I, sorry. I've kind of, what no, you're good. <laughs> I was just saying how it's just no, like right, rock bottom and calling yeah, yourself up. I mean, yeah. like, it's like, I mean, I spent some time in Barcelona, not years or anything like that, just a couple months. And mm. I mean, I, in those couple months, by hey, the end of that trip. Fucking shit over Dude, there. <laughs> I don't think you can go there as a skateboarder with any, unless like you live there and you really are like on a regimen and like you, you're on your shit, like mm. you're, you're losing some time over there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not even like it's frowned upon. Like uh -huh. it's not even anything bad. It's just like it happens. And like, I mean, 
yeah. Shire. I mean, like. I was he, there with him. He, yeah. he lived there for a long time. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, we were going nuts together out there. Yeah. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny Reed lived out there Kenny for a long Reed, time. Kenny Reed, Kenny Hughes. Know? Like, they yeah. had the crazy house, all, all of yeah. them together. But, I mean, it's like, it makes sense at that time, mm. like or, like, that age, and, like, yeah, you know, it's like what we're doing. It's like what a lot of people do here, but like you could, it was easy to do there, mm. you know. But yeah, yeah, the three months I spent there, I could see how you, people could lose their whole oh, yeah. life at MAFA and like, <laughs> For sure. uh, whatever those the, the clubs everyone goes to, yeah. uh, Jamboree or whatever. <laughs> Dude, yeah, so I, I quit. I quit drinking in 2013 for like almost a year. It was like 11 months. It was pretty good. Awesome. But I was very serious when I drank because I was yeah. like, I don't know, uh, this feels weird to me. Like, uh, so I was like, very. It was like a very. I was sober, but I was like super serious, which was fine. Yeah, it was a good experience. It was like I needed to like kind of clear my head and like. But you know, it's funny. I started drinking because of a DQM Diamond Dunk sale. <laughs> they had these fucking diamond dunks yeah. so after 11 months i didn't drink and they had these diamond dunks and these kids were lining up for a whole week for these fucking shoes nick diamond like the tiffany ones. yeah the yeah. tiffany fucking shits yeah and like so after a week of the dealing with these kids outside and there's like two mobs of kids and we had like 10 cop cars the day of the of the release right and after that night that day was the day that i was like i think i need a glass of wine <laughs> <laughs> so that's a fair, a fair yeah reason, so you know? fucking that was the day that i was like broke my sober streak yeah. my 11th month dude i had a funny one it, it was uh because I, I i also i didn't i didn't take anxiety medication for uh probably the first six months or so of me stopping drinking um, because I was just trying to like raw dog reality as much as possible at that mm -hmm. time and like just dealing with my emotions and uh, <laughs> and um, if we I, it was like my first flight uh, I flew from here to LA and then like LA to uh, Guadalajara or yeah Guadalajara and but it was like the first flight no sorry I went from Oregon back to New York and that was my first sober flight. Like, okay. no, didn't drink, like, no medication. First sober flight ever? Since I was, like, a child. Since you were a kid. Yeah, and I was just, like, or legal age of drinking, mm -hmm. let's say. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I flew home from Portland, and I was like, all right, cool, I got this. It's all good, you know, six hours. Didn't sleep the whole time, just stayed up and, like, mm -hmm. read and, like, drew and stuff like that. And then, like, maybe two weeks later, I had to go to this, this Mexico trip, and then it was, like, same thing. I was like, all right got this one like six hours and I got like four hours to Mexico to Guadalajara or whatever and like got there made it and I was like super prideful and like because mm -hmm. everyone else that's like been on the trips with me have seen me at my points yeah. you know and like so they're proud of me too and like yeah. you know I'm like kind of trying to be like yo guys like look at me you know like I did my <laughs> flight like what's up you know and they're like oh yeah hell yeah dude good for you yeah. um and uh but like it was the last night uh and but that we're in Guadalajara and we are doing a drive, like a six hour overnight drive to like Leon or Aguascaliente, I forget. Mm. And um, <laughs> we, we get in the elevator at like the parking garage and we go up to the, the lobby and they're having, um, what's the, it's like Leblon. I think that's what it's called. It's like, it's tequila, it's like a green oh, bottle, okay. like Leblon, oh, I think I is the know. brand. 
looks like it says LeBron, but uh, it's like LeBlon or something like that. And then Jack Daniels, for whatever reason, they're having two liquor tastings in the lobby of the <laughs> hotel because it was like the hotel lobby was like a, just a bar. Uh, but I shit you not, the elevator doors open and it's two, <laughs> two like plastic picnic tables with like half ounce plastic little like the wine little things from like church or whatever. Yeah. And it's like the whole table is like <laughs> these shots of tequila, the other table, all whiskey. And then like, you know, 10 bottles of the tequila, 10 <laughs> bottles of the whiskey, like showing you what it is. Uh -huh. And then everyone else is like, oh fuck yeah. Like we got a six hour drive. And like <laughs> dudes had already bought in like their 12 packs and their bottles or You're whatever. Like, and they're all uh -huh. just like, dude, fuck yeah. Literally I run into the bathroom and I'm just like, God, grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and know the difference. I'm just like reciting this fucking AA, you know, uh, or whatever, this uh, prayer over yeah. and over and over again. And I was just like, get me in the car, like, give me my headphones and let me sit. Like, couldn't sit shocking, but I was like, just give me in the front, just give me in yeah. the front, you know? And then, like, three hours in, everyone's just like, snored out and just fucked you know but yeah. like i'm like all right well i'm gonna get to the hotel i'm gonna be good and like in the morning you're like i'm great oh dude I'm, I, like me dane barker and uh like kenny and stuff i mean like we're the dudes on in the morning that are just like mm -hmm. might not be in a good mood but we're at least we're not hung over yeah exactly you know? and like no disrespect to anybody that is but we're just mm -hmm. always like or like De La will go out and party or something. And mm. I, I room with him a lot and he's like, fuck, I'm feeling like shit today. I'm like, don't miss that. <laughs> yeah, at night it's tough, but in the morning yeah. like, it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah I just, like, but I give him shit, you know, cause I've known him for so long. I'm like, damn dude, that sucks, man. Shouldn't have done that. Yeah, dude. And then so like with all of these changes that you made, do you like go to therapy or do you? Yeah, I do, I, I mean like, I was doing a lot of like, or I was doing in-person therapy up until coronavirus, mm. uh, and then now I just do it once a week over okay. Zoom and stuff. I'm trying to do it twice a week, but uh, just because like, unfortunately, like this shit just gets like, with everything that's going on, like stuff's just more stressful, and yeah, I don't know, I have some stuff in my family life that's mm -hmm. annoying, but uh, yeah, it's like, let's go to therapy for that, and then I write down a lot of stuff, and yeah. Maybe vent a little too That's much cool, to people, man. but other than hey, that, whatever. You know. <laughs> but I would say, like, it's going to good. therapy is like one of those things. It's, it's like if anyone's ever like afraid or ashamed of it mm. or something like that. It's like literally the illest thing. I like, started going last year. I think it's amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. I keep, granted, you have to find the right fit. You got to mm -hmm. find like a person that's good for you and stuff. Like I've gone through four or five of them, you know. And like the lady I talk to now is like a Trinidadian woman, and she's like the sweetest lady ever and like calls me sweetie when we're done and like she's she, like a mama yeah right? like she but she's like i figure like this nurturing trinity yeah, and like, no, but she's like she's like i'm gonna hold you accountable for yeah. all your shit and like if i think you're fucking up like i'm gonna let you know mm -hmm. so she like tells me like if i'm how i'm feeling is she's like that's absurd like yeah get like we're gonna play some semantics here and like get that shit out of your head <laughs> and i'm like all right i mean that's good that she doesn't just let you kind of like she gives it back to you and tells you she'll like, she'll intervene she's doing her job yeah, yeah she'll intervene and be like hold on let's mm -hmm. what i just heard is this you know and i'm mm -hmm. like all right cool but yeah it's um, the, other than the money you yeah. know that, that goes into <laughs> it a little expensive that's the only thing that sucks yeah. but and then with like sometimes with these life changes what i've noticed with me is that some people the hard thing is that friends that are not growing, it's kind of hard to like yeah. deal with them. 
it's, after a while. I wouldn't say, I mean like. And no disrespect to anybody, but it's like, if you're trying to work on yourself to be a better person, and then you know people that aren't trying to work on themselves to be better people, like you still love them and care about them, but after a while, you just can't even really relate to them anymore. Right, I mean, it's, it's like when I go home, back to Oregon, like I was saying, it's like the dudes I hang out with don't skate. And, uh, or let me rephrase, my two like best friends that I hang out with don't skate. And uh, so, but they still drink, they still do their thing. And like, they do it like it's like how we used to. And it, mm-hmm. I can be right there watching them do it and do whatever they do, whatever they're doing. And it doesn't bother me or any of that. And like, they are like the most accepting of like my shit, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, then there's some people you know, you go to like a party or something like that and you're like, they're like, oh, you know, like beers in the fridge, whatever, whatever. And like, you can't, you can't help but be like, oh, I don't drink, mm-hmm. you know? And then you're like, oh, I don't drink anymore. And then they're like, oh shit. And you know, like they're searching the cabinets and yeah. like looking around for something to like try to provide for you. Yeah. And you're like, a glass of yeah, water is good. Cool. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, I, I'm, I'm good. it's probably better just not even to say anything. Yeah, some, <laughs> yeah. But like, but then, but then even that comes up because mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you have that conversation around 20 people and then 20 people are trying to tell you their viewpoint on it or That's like true. tell you what they think about mm-hmm. that isn't what you're going through or whatever, yeah. you know. But uh, there are some times, yeah, like where I'm just like, I can be there for a little bit, but like, you know, yeah. it's like at one o'clock, like I, I don't have a reason to be out right now at one yeah. o'clock in the morning in this <laughs> yeah, country or <laughs> in New York City when I could be in my bed or in my apartment watching TV, you know, like, yeah. and it's not that I don't want to be around my friends. And that's the thing that sucks too, is like, it becomes a personal choice mm-hmm. and like a personal thing. So it's like, or interpersonal, you know, like to where you're just like, well, this is how I feel. And I hope they don't think that it's because of their actions or their, their drinking that's yeah. making me leave, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, this is all just me. Like yeah. I'm like, I, I did that when I was in Japan on the polar trip. Uh, and the, there might've been some like misunderstanding in a sense. So, you know, cause I was eating alone a lot mm-hmm. and I was going and doing my own thing a lot, but that was because I was vegan mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot for me to eat per se. And then mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't really drink 10 ginger ales. Yeah, you know, exactly. or like hanging 20, out with people, yeah, or like twenty glasses of water. You know, mm-hmm. I can smoke cigarettes in a like that was cool in Japan. I could smoke cigarettes in a bar, so I could like hang out. But yeah, you know, it's me personally. I get I get a limit, and I'm tapped out, yeah. and it's never because of the people. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I I wish people understood, or like I could try to just be like, yeah, you know, on a base level, like, hey guys, if I leave, it's never because of you. Mm-hmm. It's just because like I'm tapped out. Yeah, you know. Well, shit, man. I mean, I appreciate you sharing all that. I'm sure at one some point you're going to get sick of talking about. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. If people want to ask, it's fine. Like, I don't. Cool. I don't. Yeah, I don't, for sure. I don't mind it. Yeah. If you would like, if there's anybody going through anything out there, like, what would you maybe say to them? Um. I mean, don't be afraid to like tell anybody about it. And I would say, most importantly, if you have parents that are at all like receptive or supportive of anything like tell them first and foremost Mm -hmm. unless they themselves have like a problem that Mm -hmm. they're not acknowledging um but i mean like yeah if if there's people around you that like are at least saying something to you or you feel the same type of way like 
don't take it as an insult. Yeah, you know, sure. like I took a lot of people telling me that I had a problem or th them thinking I had a problem mm -hmm. as an insult or like I took it as like a fuck you. And then I was just like, all right, well, now I'm going to go and yeah. do more of what I just did, you know. So like I would just say, like, try not to take people's insight mm -hmm. or like their cr criticism or whatever mm -hmm. too personally. And then it's just like you need to kind of inner reflect. Because it's actually the people that don't say anything that are the ones that are kind of more insulting. Yes. <laughs> I will agree. <laughs> Let's talk about Christy. Cool. What's going on with Christy? How's that, how did that come about? Um, that came about um, through meeting Pep Kim, through like Josh Stewart and Theories guys. Mm. Um, and we just shot a lot of photos together and skated just a shit ton Like when I first met him and we became friends. Um, and it was about four years ago, and I skated for Carhartt, work in progress, and um, Pepsi's from Seoul, mm -hmm. from South Korea. So he came on that trip to shoot the photographs for the trip, and then, um, sorry, I'd gone to Seoul before on a, a, car, on a Converse trip. Mm -hmm. Pepsi was already in Seoul, and Pepsi came around with us for a couple days while we were in Seoul. And then about six months or so later, we had this Carhartt trip planned and I keep, forgot how, but we got, we finagled like to get Pep on the trip. Mm -hmm. And then we, while we were on that trip, um, we're just kind of talking about things and kind of like, you know, we're like, hey, we should, mm -hmm. we, we could try to do this. Yeah. Like what Carhartt's, do. I mean, not obviously what Carhartt's doing, but like, we could try to do our own thing. I mean, the brand is super sick. Like, it's clean as fuck. Like, Thank you. everything looks dope. Yeah, I mean, like, Pep does, like, mm -hmm. most, like, a, a all the design work, I would say, you mm -hmm. know, and it's, like, it's really good. Like, yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm really proud of the stuff that he comes up with and everything that he produces. Um, but it was, yeah, just being on a Carhartt trip and kind of just, like, I knew I didn't really want to skate for him anymore. I was mm -hmm. just kind of over it. And I think he kind of sensed that. And then like, I was skating for, I was getting socks from Stance at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was asking me a lot about the socks. And then we kind of just like basically started brainstorming how to make a sock company and like a small soft goods brand. Mm -hmm. And then on that trip, we sort of like used some resources to like look at fabrics and things like that. Mm -hmm. Cause South Korea has a lot of like yeah, interesting yeah, textiles and sure. like good, there's like a whole area of South Korea that's like all factories. That's just like all textile and like all just fabric stuff. So yeah. you can just go and like look at all this different shit. Mm -hmm. So we, we did that for like a couple hours one day and like basically set the plan in motion or like set the plan in stone and we're like, this mm -hmm. is what we should do and what we should try to do. It's cool when people, because a lot of times people have these knee-jerk reactions and they're like, yeah, we should do this, but then like nothing ever happens. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, like you guys did that, but then actually like, you have it. now it exists and it's right. an amazing brand with like a team and you guys make videos and yeah it's awesome dude thanks man yeah, yeah it's Sick. it's like i was i watched uh alex's uh this before mm -hmm. i came over here again and it's like him talking about the dylan and like how like they wanted to start a brand and everything mm -hmm. and like you know through through girl and chocolate and like talking to them about it and being timid, you know what I mean? Or kind of afraid about it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, it was kind of the same thing with Carhartt. Like we almost, I kind of felt bad cause we were like in South Korea, but we had already mm -hmm. 
created this idea, yeah. you know, and like, <laughs> you're like, uh, yeah, but yeah. did Pep ever tell you about the first time that w how we met? No. Me and Pepsi? No. So speaking of partying and speaking of Barcelona, okay. so I was in Barcelona and Pep was visiting and he was hanging out with this guy, Marcos Gomez, who's like this Barcelona OG skater okay. kind of like, but Marcos is like a really family man. Like he goes, like he has kids, he has a wife, like he goes home at seven and like eats dinner. Like, right. <laughs> so like Pep was like, I want Marcos, like I want to party. I forget where we were, but like Marcos, basically Pep was like, I want to party. And, and Marcos was like, go hang out with Lee, go hang out with Lee. Like he goes out every night. So like basically like Marcos just kind of like dumped Pepsi on me. And I was like, hey, what's up, dude? Like, you want to go party? Like, let's go. And then like we fucking stayed out till like eight in the morning or something like that. Yeah. And so that's how, that's when I first met Pepsi. It was that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. How, that was how, like, that had to have been before he moved here. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It was one hundred. Yeah, like I, I think that was like I don't even know when that was. That was probably like ten years ago or something. I don't. I have Damn. No idea. That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> I think we hit like all the clubs. Like probably we might have even like gone to the beach in the morning or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty pretty, pretty standard. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> well, I never actually made it inside the clubs. We just yeah. ended up partying outside the. Yeah, clubs you would just like sit outside in Barcelona, which is equal, almost probably better. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, man. Fucking what? Uh, and then like. Chinatown Soccer Club is very influential into like yeah. what you guys do, right? So um, Pepsi is a part of Chinatown Soccer Club, so he plays soccer, football very often, you know, like mm -hmm. every other day. Um, and so since he's a part of that crew, um, that's kind of like what started uh, us going into like shirts and like making more than just socks and certain mm -hmm. things because we had the opportunity to do like collaboration and do more mm -hmm. and with that we made jerseys like soccer jerseys and stuff and uh then we're doing like from that we're gonna plant like we're, we're doing more collaborations with more football clubs and stuff oh, like that it. um because i mean the idea of the brand obviously is skateboarding and everything like that but to bring i mean probably tons of people think this way or have thought of this but like sport inspired gear for skateboarding but like more of a soccer influence if anything mm -hmm. for it you know what yeah. i mean so um or not necessarily like more of a soccer influence but like the collaborations and things like like grand collection beat us to the punch with umbro like that mm -hmm. that was a dream you know what i mean but yeah. like shit we if we do like some diodora shirts even though they make that'd footwear like that'd yeah. be dope you that'd know what i mean like it's anything like that like i think it's sick like, like I buy Umbro gear just because it looks tight. Yeah, it looks dope. And like, I don't even play soccer. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, do you ever play with those guys? Hell no, dude. I haven't played, I haven't played <laughs> soccer since I was seven years old. It I, seems I, like it would be fun, but I know they're super competitive. Oh, dude, those dudes like they—they're out there like tearing ACLs and like rolling ankles and like playing like the next day. Like it's yeah. They're—they go out like uh, do you know Rob Matheson? I know the name. He does like uh, he was good friends with Ben Raymer. He was like Ben Raymer's best mm. friend. Uh, does like graphics for like, an, did graphics for Enjoy and like okay. he's an illustrator and amazing artist. But uh, I was hanging out with Rob Matheson and we were talking about uh, playing football or soccer and him and uh, Pepsi met up to to play one morning and he was, cause like people can kind of sub in for the Chinatown Soccer Club, like Gons goes and plays sometimes. Mm. And like, cause like we did a shirt with like the Gons on it and that was from like him playing there one day. Mm. And um, 
So uh, Rob shows up and it's like cold out, you know, it's like winter, it's like raining, it's, you know, shitty conditions to be doing anything outside, but they're like there 7 a.m. to play football or whatever. But Pepsi has on uh, like uh, track pants Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? And Rob's just like shows up and he's got on like his short shorts and he's just like, mate, what the fuck? Like wearing fucking trousers. Like what the fuck is like, and all like every, like every New York dude's like half of them are wearing shorts and the other dudes are all wearing track pants. And he's like, what the fuck is this? Like, no, wearing fucking trousers. Like what? Like, no, 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 no. Like, and it's just like now this ongoing joke. Like I see Rob and he's like, yo, ask Pep how his trousers are. Like, cause it's like, uh, no, like, apparently that's like, nah, that's okay. That's a no-go. You got to wear shorts no matter what, huh? I, I guess, in, I guess like English English football clothes, yeah. yeah. Like they're really into. I guess there's some etiquette with that. And he's just like, mate, no. Like it doesn't matter how cold it is, what the weather is. Like you wear, you wear this. Yeah. And like, yeah. I could see Pep getting a little like pissed off about that. I, I think he, he thought it was funny. Yeah. He was just like, he was like, what? He was like, it's cold out. He's like, but yeah, that's hilarious. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about the fucking this election that's coming up? Um, it's got everybody uh, with everything that we've been talking about of like the year, this crazy year and how we've all been feeling and anxiety and stress. Like, I think this is a crazy way to like, in, even though it's like kind of in the year, like what the fuck's going to happen next month? Dude. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, like it's kind of, it's mind blowing to me in a sense, like. I'm almost at a loss for words for it because it's like you could, you could talk so much about it kind of because yeah. it's like something it's almost like it's becoming like a tabloid at this mm-hmm. point you know what I mean it's That's like a good way of putting it yeah. it's like literally we're like the inquire mm-hmm. is now what our reality is mm-hmm. you know what I mean was that what it's called the inquire daily yeah, like inquire national national inquire, national inquire whatever yeah. the one that was like at the <laughs> checkout of every yeah, yeah, yeah. super or supermarket but it's like that's what we're like living. I feel mm-hmm. like is this like fake thing. Like we don't like we're worshiping like demigods and like we don't believe in like. Not saying that I'm like some like religious nut or anything like that, but like we don't. People aren't like worshiping God and like Christianity. It's now like they literally worship Donald Trump and like Kim Kardashian and Bella Hadid and <laughs> these people that are like these famous people yeah. versus people that are actually important. And mm-hmm. it's like the fall of every civilization basically is like divide and conquer mm. and then watch civilization collapse, yeah. you know? And it's like, I feel right now we're at this point of like, there's so much like, you know, uh, extreme right wing talk, you know, from Trump, you know, encouraging people to act a type of way and like not wanting to dismiss certain things. And then Biden, who is per se, not as evil but could equally just be as evil but mm-hmm. we don't know you know what i mean like yeah uh what is it fox in a sheep's clothing or whatever or, yeah. or wolf, wolf, wolf in a sheep's clothing yeah wolf in a sheep's whatever <laughs> kind of that thing and it's just kind of like who who do you i mean obviously don't vote for trump but i'm just saying yeah. it's like it's like the lesser of two evils. yeah it's kind of just like there isn't really like, mm. like both options seem shitty but it's also i mean watching like the debates the first debate, I mean, that was that in, was a fucking that was show. insane. And then <laughs> uh, I didn't watch the vice president debate, but you that, know. Was a, that one was a little more debatey, even though they didn't really answer any questions. Yeah, what bummed me out though, like I was talking to my friend Nick, the guy that runs a lot. Uh, 
he, um, we were talking about like the fly that was on Pence's head or whatever and how Instagram and everyone started just focusing on that for like the entire debate mm -hmm. instead of like what people on social media should have been focusing on was the topics of the debate. Not yeah. that there was a fly on the dude's head for three minutes or whatever. <laughs> you know, like everyone just flooded Instagram with photos of this fly. And everybody and, thinks they're the only one that saw it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, there's there's actually issues that they're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, like climate change and things like that. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of division that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, it's just like, I don't understand why, I, I just don't understand it, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, I don't know, I just, yeah, I, you know, I have friends that are just, you know, what, whether they're trans, gay, black, whatever, it's just like, and then you have other people that don't feel the same way about your viewpoint, mm -hmm. or they still make, you know, in politically, or like unpolitically correct jokes mm -hmm. about things, and you're just kind of like, yo. I'm always fascinated that people, like, will... I don't want to go too deep into this, but, like, yeah. how is it that people fucking dedicate their lives to, like, hate? Yeah. I like to have fun. Yeah. Like, I like to, you know. But to some people, that like could, some be, people could like, be fun to them. Like, some people, like, they wake up every day and they're like, I need to hate on this and yeah. that and this and that. It's like, why? I don't understand that. I've never understood that. I think that's just, you know, like, the whole, that, that goes into, like, your childhood upbringing and mm. everything like that, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like, that. Yeah. The kids that are bullies and all that shit and all the people that are like, um, the video that went, went viral yesterday of the <clears throat> dude that's talking about how like all the Trump supporters are gonna go to war oh, with yeah. everyone if Biden wins and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it's just like, what's, like where are you going to war? You gonna come, y'all you know, <laughs> are gonna come through Brooklyn and try to go to war? Like, really? You're like all you, do, all you rednecks are gonna come to Brooklyn and go to war with us? Good luck. Walk down Nostrand Ave and, and preach that bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like, ain't happening. It's like, that's, it's just like, that's the, the, the people have the disconnect, you know, yeah. that they're, they're comfortable with their environment mm -hmm. and what they're around. Mm -hmm. And so if they have no culture, no environment and they mm -hmm. all they know is their fucking rural seven person town mm -hmm. all you're gonna know is hate or yeah. like that's if like that's what you're born well, people hate what they don't really understand absolutely yeah. it's unfortunate yeah what uh what are you working on you got anything coming up um well not i mean you want to get back on the board like yeah i mean projects? just doing the physical therapy now so doing that and then um doing like Unfortunately, I broke my leg basically like right with the last few months of the Polar deadline. So there's a Polar promo coming out video again mm -hmm. uh, for like the 10 years of Polar being around. Um, and so, yeah, unfortunately, I broke my leg with like the last two months of filming. Yeah. So I'm kind of bummed on that. Do you have anything for it? Did you have yeah. a bunch of stuff for it already? Uh, not as much stuff as I wanted to because mm -hmm. um, I, I just... I've noticed in myself the last like few years, I'm not necessarily flipping my skateboard so much. <laughs> um, and I wanted to diversify that a little uh, bit. And uh, that was something I wanted to focus on mm -hmm. the last few months and then the injury happened. Yeah. And then, but uh, Pontus is always really understanding with injuries and- Of course. And right. I mean, it's he- like part of the game. Yeah, and like last time we were in Malmo, which was in 2018, he tore his, he hurt his knee and tore his shit. And then he, mm -hmm stubbed his toe really bad but broke it and then needed surgery mm -hmm. so like he you know and like nick Baserio's on like the recovery tip from some knee stuff too yeah you know everyone's like going through 
all the older guys are going through some, yeah. <laughs> some injuries right now. But that's what's cool Shit. too is that Polar has a lot of, uh, the video that's about to come out is gonna showcase a lot of, some people that haven't had as much uh, shine as other people, okay. let's say. Like Roman Gonzalez is gonna like, Dope. have like a banging part, I, I imagine, mm -hmm. right now. And like, certain people are just gonna like really stand out. That, that, cute, that dude Oski is on another level. Dude Oski, the stuff that there's <laughs> like, updates footage updates in our whatsapp group chat and it's mm -hmm. just like every day i'm just like god yeah he's an so hour. good dude like, <laughs> this shit's crazy yeah and he's only gonna get better <laughs> like hell yeah well sick dude i'm looking forward to like seeing everything you guys do yeah we got a christy thing coming out too soon and then hopefully like another full-length video like within the next year so okay. dope yeah sick dude last question top five oregon skaters all right, uh, in no particular order, but uh, Bern Ashley, Mikey Chin, um, sorry, Bern Ashley, Mikey Chin, Jamie Fortune, Matt Beach, and then I'll go wild card with Choppy Omega. <laughs> yeah. Natty comes. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Thanks yeah. for coming through. Dude, of course. Appreciate Th it. Thank you. <laughs> Yo, this is a wrap, episode 20. My man Aaron Harrington came through. We chopped it up. We just want to say a big rest in peace to Keith Huffnagel. Um, it's a big loss for the community and the culture, but uh, you will be very dearly missed. So Absolutely. we love you, Keith. Um, follow us on Instagram and uh, see you next time.